1: Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show.
0: Billy Batson. I choose you as champion. Hello? Say my name so my powers may flow through you. But I don't know your name, sir. Shazam. Wait, for real? Say, okay! Shazam! Gentlemen! You have bullet immunity!
2: I'm bulletproof. <laughs> You're dead.
0: I don't want to strap in.
1: brother
2: has come from the surface
1: to challenge me for the
2: throne i call it an ass whooping i'm no leader i came because i have no choice
0: i came to save my home and the people that i love you think you're unworthy to lead because you're of two different worlds that is exactly why you are worthy
2: that was awesome
1: the war is coming to the surface and i'm bringing the wrath of the seven seas with me
0: we're here what do you do you never parachute redheads you got to love them <laughs>
2: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Jordan from Smallville, Batcat Shipper. This is episode 160, and my name is Tim, and joining me, as always, is Dane. Dane, it's good to be back recording. I know we weren't able to record on our normal schedule last time, so a lot of stuff's happened, and, you know, here's how I'll tell you. Well, I know it's been a long time since we recorded. Since our last episode, which we recorded probably, I think, end of June, 1st of July. I think it was like released the first week of July, but since then, the Oakland A's have become a serious playoff contender now, yeah. <laughs> where before, you were just hoping they would finish 500. It would be a dream come true, and here we are, end of July, going into August, and they're right in the playoff hunt. Yeah, <laughs> That's how I long mean. it's been since we recorded. They made this great run of playing great baseball in the course of July, and here they are in the mix.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know me, Tim. I was hoping for at least two, three games over 500. And now we're at the point where it's 14 games over 500, I think. So, yeah, it's been a while.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Been a while, and I'm sure nothing you were expecting this year for them to happen. So it's awesome to have... You, as, just as a baseball fan, have your team in the playoff on. That makes the rest of the season more fun. <laughs> yeah,
1: with uh, what, what I thought was a busted lineup, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> uh, a lineup that wasn't very strong, made up mostly of, of guys from stronger teams that wouldn't have ever made the twenty-five man roster, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's it's surprising, it's good, it's I, I hope they they can continue to ride this wave into the playoffs.
2: Yeah, it's gonna be fun because they're right there with Seattle. And like, Seattle hasn't made the playoffs since two thousand one, so I'm kinda rooting for them <laughs> to end no, that same. drought so they can make the playoffs, <laughs> but at the same time I I would like to have your team be in the playoffs too. So <laughs> the, I think, the um, ultimate
1: I think there's only a game between them now. Yeah, um, a game and a
2: half, something like that.
1: Oh yeah, I guess uh, sorry, game and a half. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, the ultimate would be if somehow one of those teams can overtake Houston in the division, then the other team makes the wild card and knocks Houston out of the playoffs. But <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, <laughs> no way, no way. <laughs> that's dreaming maybe a little bit too big. But. Yeah,
1: too 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 much, Jim.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like I said, it's. You know, been a little bit since our last episode. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. This is probably going to be a longer episode because we got Comic Con to go over all the stuff that was announced there. The trailers released, We're going to be talking about all that good stuff, and then we have still have to talk about Batman number fifty. I mean, that was an issue that came out at the beginning of July. That had a lot of high anticipation, obviously. So uh, we we'll got to give our thoughts on that and hear from some of the listeners and what they thought of Batman issue fifty. So. A lot to get to on this one, so we might as well jump right into how we always start the episode with a Dark Knight Rises minute-by-minute minute commentary. And for this one, we're going to be going from minutes 108 to 109, or minute, an hour and 48 minutes to an hour and 49 minutes, depending on how you want to look at it. So, as always, let's see if I get all the formats right. got going to get your dead media uh, players, like your DVD player, your VHS player, your Betamax tape, laser disc. Um, your Blockbuster video membership, your Netflix physical media, and your VHS to D V D uh USB converter. Dana, am I missing anything? Did I get them all? I don't know, but um, you know, I, I um
1: the the reason why we couldn't record an episode was because I was moving, right? I I moved uh from an apartment to a house, right?
2: Congratulations on that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um but anyway. Digging through all my stuff, uh, I found my old DVD player.
2: Uh-huh.
1: I threw that right in the garbage. <laughs> 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 There's no reason to keep it. I
2: not even for nostalgia.
1: Not even for nostalgia, because DVD, when you look back on it, it wasn't a really good format. Um, particularly really when it comes, so. particularly when it comes to um standard definition, you know. But at I, the
2: time I, I mean, that was all we had, and yeah, we had yeah, no idea what H D was.
1: Yeah, yeah. But then you get H D, then you get the four K, and then you know, whatever else, right? And so D V D goes in the trash. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, so you so you you found your DVD player. You didn't that didn't make you want to go, man, I better go to Best Buy and get a DVD to USB converter. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know, I, I I am wondering, do d- does Best Buy still have DVDs?
2: Yeah, I don't know. Oh, they so do? I think they I've seen okay. them in like bargain bins. Like oh three or four dollar bar like bins yeah. full of DVDs, so <laughs> Yeah, but it's mostly Blu-ray
1: 4K, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs>
2: So did you have a I guess it might have been tough for you to say goodbye to that DVD player, but you've moved on. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, I moved on. I, I did, did keep no. No, I'm saying this not only for our podcast, but for um the Saga Continues podcast. I did keep my Star Wars bo-
2: uh DVDs. Oh I would yeah. hope so, Dan. <laughs> I don't know Even how to Even though I'm you play have nothing him. to play it on now. Yeah. You <laughs> still gotta keep the box and all that. Right. Right. <laughs> Just like I still got all my VHS copies, I mean those <laughs> aren't ever going to the trash. Right. I will say though, if you have found a, like an old VHS player, I think you should keep that one because I don't know. There's still some nostalgic and special about VHS, even though you know it's more of a hassle to rewind things yeah. and the forward if that takes longer. and The quality's not as good, but this has good memories that VHS quality.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know what I totally forgot about VHS. Um, they used to have trailers
2: before the movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I totally forgot about that. And sometimes it would get annoying when you rewind it all the way, then you have to forward it. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I just want to get to the movie. But, uh, everyone, kids are spoiled now, these, those, nowadays <laughs> without <laughs> knowing all those old amenities we had to go through. Yeah, <laughs> everything
1: is digital now. No trailers in the front of your uh,
2: digital download. That are easily skippable. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, so like, if you got whatever those dead media formats you want to choose, go ahead and <laughs> get that to the hour and 48-minute mark, and I'll go ahead and give the countdown. So, Dan, are you ready? Yeah. Three, two, one, go. As we see, Bruce about to make the jump, the first jump attempt, I should say. Well, he does hey. like five of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And he doesn't make it. Yeah. Although that impact when you hear the rope, like, catch him, like, tight up, and he hits the wall, like, Ooh. <laughs> Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, you figure, because it's not a bungee cord, it's just a standard yeah. rope.
2: <laughs> like, that'll get his back <laughs> feeling <laughs> even more better. <laughs> and we're getting what we thought at the time was Bane's, Bane's origin story, or yeah. getting more clarity on that which maybe i should have realized that here where we see actual bane fighting off all the guards that would have been a tip off but uh see it's, i was rolling with it but At the same time we saw those set pictures of talia <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we knew right. the talia reveal was coming and didn't but, that
1: actress say she was playing talia yeah you're yeah. right
2: but see i can't remember if if i knew about it going in if i heard about it but didn't remember it while I was watching. I don't know because I was still moving along with it. Thing okay, they're doing a good job with Bane's origin from coming from the prison, but yeah, it was all laid out pretty clearly <laughs> when yeah. you were paying attention to all the <laughs> rumors and stuff that was getting leaked out before the movie came out, but still, still good stuff.
1: Yeah, my my uh, still my favorite rumor for that didn't actually end up being true is that mm. the um, you remember that first set picture. Candid, or somebody just took a picture of it. Um, the 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 hole in the ground. Yeah, it was just the green, the, the rocks and the green screen. Mm. Everybody thought it was a Lazarus
2: pit. Yeah, I was one of them. Was like, oh, it's got to be the Lazarus yeah. pit. <laughs> it was a pit, but just not, not the Lazarus. Lazarus pit. Yeah. No. <laughs> But after our Dark Knight Riders minute-by-minute commentary, it's time to move into our feature topic for this episode, and it's going to be our Comic-Con 2018 recap. Yes, Comic-Con was just last week. Another Comic-Con has gone by with some. I got to say, this year has a lot of cool announcements that got me excited about mainly on the DC front, but also on the Star Wars front, too. I mean, might as well kick off our discussion about Comic-Con with what you know kicked off The actual Comic-Con highlight for me, the Clone Wars Coming Back game. Wow. (laughs) Talk talk about the show getting off on a high point. I mean, something so unexpected. I mean, they're having the Clone Wars 10-year anniversary panel. And I was thinking and hoping, more hoping than anything, but Dave Filoni was going to have a surprise for us. And my wildest expectations were they're going to finish the Clone Wars with the final arc, the Siege of Mandalore with Ahsoka, Darth Maul, Dave Filonia said quite a few times before that that was supposed to be the arc that would end the series and it goes right into episode three. So I was thinking, you know, it's a 10-year anniversary. They're having a big panel at Comic-Con and they put out unfinished story arcs before, like comic books, the Dark Disciple novel. They've gotten these stories out there, but never the Siege of Mandalore. and They always have hints about it in other episodes. Like even in Rebels, there's been mention of it. And an Ahsoka book that made reference to it. And I just thought to myself, you know, it's that story is so important. And the fact that they haven't turned it into a comic or novel yet makes me think they're saving it for something special. That's why I got thinking maybe this is the time they're going to announce it. And once they did, I was like, oh, yes. But wait, it's the series is coming back? We're not just getting that? We're getting 12 full episodes? I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, this is just... A dream come true so yeah once I was they did of course not streaming any of the panels at Comic-Con but I was following along on Twitter for Star Wars fans who were there and man once I saw that I just saw a bunch of tweets saying Clone Wars is back Clone Wars is saved like wow like oh my goodness <laughs> I was like what like what's what's going on what what's happening then of course they finally put out the trailer and it was just amazing to see new Clone Wars footage again it was just so so cool so yeah, I mean, that kicked off Comic-Con on such a high note for me. I just, like, couldn't wait for the rest. That was just day one. It just got me thinking, man, I can't wait for what's in store <laughs> for the rest of the convention. But, man, what a shocking surprise getting more Clone Wars.
1: Yeah, it it totally made me forget that uh, we got a Titans trailer. Um, <laughs> yeah, which we'll to- get to later. <laughs> yeah, which we will get to, but I totally forgot about that. Um, yeah, just a huge surprise because I thought... Um. Disney slash Lucasfilm were totally done with the prequels. I thought they were just moving on to the, their own thing rather than, you know, sticking with the old stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. That's definitely was the route they were <laughs> looking to be going these last few years, but I think fans definitely show that, you know, they loved the Clone Wars in that era and the fact that it's coming back now, I think... Is them part of realizing that yeah, (laughs) there's a fan base there that wants this stuff, and the perfect avenue to get more Clone Wars would be on that streaming service that they're going to release in 2019. So this all made perfect sense, and I think lined up together for this really great announcement. So yeah, 2019's looking good (laughs) on the Star Wars front. You got that Episode Nine coming out, and there's also some cool book announcements that were made at Comic Con for a new Star Wars novels, like a Obi Wan and Qui Gon novel that's going to be really cool. They got a Padme novel coming back or coming out. So it seems like the prequel era is coming back in a uh, big way in 2019, and I couldn't be happier about that.
1: Yeah, it's weird the shift, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm just wondering what happened.
2: Yeah, I think they just heard fan feedback about it, really. I mean, because. Uh, like you said, they yeah. I think they definitely want to move on to this only sequel trilogy era only stuff. But I think they realize that, you know, you, you got to please other aspects of the fandom that likes the other eras of Star Wars. You can't just ignore it. So and like, again, I'm not expecting them to make like, new movies set in that era. While that would be awesome. I understand yeah. that's probably not their priority right now. But so if they could just keep doing stuff like this and Clone Wars content and keep novels and comic stuff in the prequel era, that that's enough to satisfy my uh, cravings for more stories in that time period. So to, to get more stuff like this, I think it's going to be fine.
1: Yeah, but it's not only that. It's also the fact that, you know, w- with Clone Wars, they had been working on it for a while, you know, before this announcement, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they they would have had to, right? So, yeah, definitely. I don't know. I, I just find it weird that they put out this sort of sentiment where they're like, okay, we're going to make Star Wars our thing but we're secretly going to start working on Clone Wars, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I, it was, it. I, I love it either way, you know? Yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't think it was at the very beginning, like probably sometime after Episode Seven, Rogue One, I think, like probably in the middle of Rebels, I would think, because Dave Filoni wasn't a big, like, uh, presence on Rebels, like as far as like Season 3 and 4. I mean, he was there to oversee things, but he was – Doing other projects like he wasn't the supervising director anymore of that series, which, you know, led me to believe he's doing other projects. And we got stuff like the forces of destiny animated shorts and, you know, Star Wars Resistance is coming this year. But uh, there's always a little part of me that felt maybe he's just finishing those Clone Wars arc. And it turns out that's the case, but not just one arc, a few arcs. So, yeah, it's the best of better than anything I could have imagined. So I just the hard part now is waiting for that streaming service to come out, which we don't have a date yet. But I believe Disney is saying fall. Is one of 2019 is when it should be out. So oh, no. it's going to be a long <laughs> wait, but man, it'll be worth it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that Star Wars stuff got Comic-Con off to a great start for us, but uh, we'll move, go ahead and move on to uh, the DC announcements and trailers and stuff that came out. Cause there was a lot of them. So, uh, first up, I'll go ahead and talk about some of the comic book announcements and new stuff that were revealed for, uh, Batman titles and stuff coming out. I guess one of the bigger things, and this is, uh, Kind of doing a recap that and the highlights that from the, the Batman universe write-up they had for it. So uh, go ahead and check out that site for the full highlights. But we're kind of going to go over this, those highlights right here on the show. And one of the things that I guess a lot of people were talking about was Batman's getting his trunks back <laughs> in the comics. He's going to the more traditional Batman costume, which he's, over, the, over the years since we've been doing this podcast, the comic version of batman has several different costume changes <laughs> and some of it's more different than others then some of it goes back to more classic but i know superman went back to his trunks not too long ago and now batman's doing the same and i know there's a lot of people who hate the trunks and there's a lot to go yes the, the costumes just aren't right without the classic trunks that they have in there but to me it's like i could take it or leave both i think both have merit and could look pretty cool with or without but i guess since we have were a while without Batman and Superman having the trunks, we can have them back again. So the costume that uh, is going to be debuting, I think, in Batman 53 is what it says. there in the artwork they have on display. There. It looks cool. So, But uh, some of the new titles that, uh, or projects that were, got revealed, I think the first one um, they have up here is that there's going to be a new Batman and Joker team-up uh, story that's going to be for DC's uh, black label. It's going to be by Mark Silvestri. And this one, I see... I'd be more excited about this if we didn't got that Batman uh, Europa story from a few years ago, which was pretty much a Batman and Joker team up. So that kind of took the steam out of this being a bigger deal where it's like, oh, man, Batman and the Joker are going to team up. I mean, what's that going to be like? Should be for a pretty crazy story. And I was kind of underwhelmed with Batman Europa and how that all played out. They had some moments, but in the end, it made me think, yeah. Batman and Joker work best, obviously, as enemies and not as partners for anything. So, I don't know. I think this one, this announcement was a little lackluster as far as having the hype it could have been. And they've been saying it's been in development since, like, 2014. So, uh, it just took a little while for it to get off the ground, which makes me surprised that they went ahead with that Batman-Europa story. So, um, the project is called Batman and the Joker, the Deadly Duo. And it's going to be, you know the story synopsis is the plot will feature an unknown enemy who has their sights set on the Joker while also kidnapping and torching, torturing commissioner Gordon. So, uh, I believe that one's supposed to come out. I'm trying to see if there is a release date yet. No, they said no word on a release date yet, but they said that it's been a long time coming. So we'll see how it turns out. But right now I'm not super, super excited about it just because we got a story like that not too long ago. I totally forgot about Batman Europa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it,
1: it, It was just one of those titles that you read the first couple issues and then, you know, you either get it or you don't. And I didn't get it. (laughs) Yeah.
2: It wasn't horrible at the same time. It just, it wasn't, it wasn't great either. It was just a story that was there. I was glad I read it just to see what a Batman Joker story could, team up story could be like. And so glad I did. But again, don't need another one. (laughs) But one Joker story I am excited about is a Jeff Johns' three Joker storyline. That's been hinted at for a long time since uh, the, believe the conclusion of the dark side war uh, before rebirth got kicked off. So Batman was sitting at the back gate realizing that, you know, once he was on uh, the, the Metron's chair that he was in control of for a while during the dark side war, he got, you know, vast knowledge <laughs> of the universe and the multiverse and realized there was three jokers and everyone's been wondering, man, what's that going to be about? Um, so Jeff Johns is finally going to pay off on that tease. and, Part of me is like, there's part of what he said that has me excited. Then some, I've been hearing like contradicting things about it that makes me scratch my head. So um, it, the main story is going to be, of course, going to be three different Jokers. And the part that it sounds cool to me about it is that these three Jokers are going to go up against, you know, Batman, Batgirl, and Jason Todd. And that that makes perfect sense to me because those are probably the three people the Joker has had the biggest effect on, you know, with what he's in and you know, death. Death in the family, Killing Joke, and of course all the times he went up against Batman. It makes sense to me that those would be the three characters that would go up against these three different versions of the Joker. But what has me confused is that um, in this quote here from the Batman Universe write-up, it says from Jeff Johns it, he goes, "It's not about other dimensions or other Earth. It's very grounded, an emotional story." And again, he said to focus on Batman, Batgirl, and Red Hood. But as he said that, I've heard other Interviews with Jeff Johns and like highlights from panels where he was saying that um, this is like different, ver- different multiverse jokers that are going to make up the three. So I was like, well, that kind of goes against what you just said here. So I don't know which one's more accurate. I would kind of like it if it's not about. Uh, any other multiverse Jokers because I think that adds to the mystery of just what are these three different versions of Jokers to me if you just do taking a Joker from like Earth 2 or 3 or Earth 5 whatever it lessens you know I think the appeal of what the story could be and how unique it could set up in these Jokers and the relationship with those Bat family members so um, it's going to be drawn by Jason Fabok this is also going to be on uh, the DC uh, black label. But Jeff Johns made a point to say that it's still in the main continuity, even though it's going to be on that black label. And it's supposed to be out uh, this winter. It's going to be a three issue uh, series, which makes sense (laughs) being about the three Jokers. So I'm looking forward to this one and hopefully it can be a unique, different story featuring Joker and these characters. He had a bit of some big effects on in their lives. So I'm looking forward to see how this all comes together and just see uh, what the mystery is behind these three Jokers.
1: Well, you know me and the multiverse, Tim. (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Uh, I mean, that's why I'm hoping it's not, because you don't want to... I'm hoping it's as self-contained story as it could be, where you don't have to know about these different multiverse and whatnot. And so, yeah, we'll see. (laughs) It's going to be interesting to see how he makes three different Jokers work in the story. So I am excited, just even from a curious standpoint, to see how... It's all going to play out. But with Jeff Johns behind it, I got confidence he'll be able to deliver something that's good and makes sense and will make you believe what the story is trying to tell with these three jokers. And then another announcement that came at one of the panels was that um, Peter Tomasi will be taking over Detective Comics. Um, I believe it's, let's see, issue 994. And he's going to go up towards uh, issue 1000. And I think it says they didn't say if he's going to continue beyond that point. So it might just be a quick short run. But that's something that got me excited because I love Peter Tomasi's run on, you know, going back to the uh, Batman and Robin title. The stuff he does with Damien is just really great. And he did some great stuff on the Superman title as well. So looking forward to having him back on the bat, I main Batman title again. It should be really cool. And I believe that's pretty much the main stuff that, stuck out to me anyway as far as comic book announcements and i believe that another one was that uh, scott snyder is going to be uh making a batman who laughs from coming out of the dark knights metal that's going to be a series coming out and you know i wasn't the big biggest fan of dark knights metal i never really got that read the tie-ins with the other batman the nightmare batman and the batman who laughs who's pretty much like bruce wayne as the joker so i've heard great stuff about it eventually i might want to check out some of those tie-in issues but I mean, so this one I'm not really super excited about, but can understand those who are. Because I know was kind of like the breakout character of Dark Knight's Metal. So uh, he'll be getting his own, I think it's a miniseries. Yeah, it's a six-issue miniseries that's coming out later on. So if you're a fan of The Man Who Laughs Batman or The Batman Who Laughs, you should probably be excited for his own miniseries by Scott Snyder. And that's probably going to do it for the comic book highlights. At least the ones that stuck out to me as a Batman fan. So uh, we'll go ahead to move on to another thing that I'm really excited about. The animated front of DC movies. And we got as usual, we got our slate announced for 2019 and what animated movies we can expect next year. And this was after they had their premiere for a Superman or the Death of Superman animated movie, which I'm hearing really great things about. And I cannot wait to see it next week when it comes out on Blu-ray. I know it's out digitally <laughs> now, but... That weight always kills me, but it's going to be worse than I think with this one. I'm Let's hearing a really great buzz about it. it too. No, I can't, Dane. <laughs> that one, now that they're releasing these in 4K, plus you get a digital code with it, I mean, why not have both? <laughs> <laughs> right. But, yeah, the new slate they announced for 2019, um, pretty exciting, because so, first off, we got the second part of the Death of Superman two-part, which is Reign of the Superman, which is going to be early 2019. I think it's going to be January. Then after that in the spring, um, it's going to be Justice League versus the Fatal Five. And this is one that, you know, didn't the Fatal Five was not a name that stood out to me. I kind of had to look up as far as who they were. And they're pretty much um, antagonists for the Legion of Superheroes. And they said they've made appearance on Justice League and me and anim- uh, I could talk Justice League Unlimited, the animated series and the Legion of Superheroes animated series. So um, we'll see how that one turns out. And uh, they didn't say this one's going to be in the DC animated movie universe continuity like the Death of Superman is right now or if it'll be its own Justice League story. But I imagine it probably will be in the continuity because mostly the Justice League movies are released that are released now are part of that continuity. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. And then also finally... After 10 years, we're going to be getting another Wonder Woman animated movie. (laughs) It's going to be Wonder Woman Bloodlines. And they didn't release a synopsis for it yet, but it's probably going to be one of the later ones we get next year. But it's like, man, it's about time because the first Wonder Woman movie, which came out in 2009, was really, really good. And for a time, you know, one of the probably the best of the animated movies that came out because I was still early in its run. But it was one of the best, if not the best. So the fact that we're finally getting another one is long overdue. And I'm kind of hoping that they take off... They, see, there's a few ways they can go about it, I think, if they're going to base it off any comic stories. Part of me is like, oh, it'd be awesome if they do the rebirth origin like like Greg Rucka did. But at the same time, the first animated movie was kind of an origin story, so I'm not sure we'll get that. But then it made me think of the New 52 run by Brian Azzarello. That one was really good because that really delved into the Greek mythology and the gods and all that. And it could tie in with the title, Bloodlines, because that had to deal with the bloodlines of Zeus and the gods um, that they were going after this newborn baby that, you know, was a child of Zeus. So if they can do an adaption of that, I think that can make for a really good movie. So I'm just excited that Wonder Woman's finally getting another animated movie. So after her, now that she's finally getting one, it's time for another Green Lantern movie. So <laughs> let's not wait until the next live action movie to get a Green Lantern animated film. Uh, I've been dying for another one of those. <laughs> but the big announcement is that I think after popular demand Batman Hush is going to be adapted into an animated movie and it's going to be a, a two-parter as well. So what well, this is the first uh, The description on the DC site. It says uh, Batman Hush will be the third movie and will release this summer and will follow the two-part Death of Superman Reign of Superman as the latest animated movie based on an acclaimed DC storyline. OK, so got a little confused there. I thought it said it will follow the two-part Death of Superman, meaning that it will be a two-parter, but I think it said it's following it, just that it's going to be adapting a classic storyline. So, Um, But yeah, Hush, I know every time we usually talk about Batman comics, we want to see adapted into animated movies, and we ask uh, put polls on Twitter or us fans on Twitter what they want to see, Hush is usually kind of at the top of the list or the one we always hear about. So the fact that, we're going to be getting it. It's going to be really, really cool. So, I mean, there's a lot of great moments in Hush that can make for awesome animated movies, moments in a film. I mean, Batman going up against tons of villains. as <laughs> pretty much all his classic role galleries villains there. His battle with Superman and then, of course, Hush. And I'm just thinking, oh, is are going to throw in the whole Jason Todd reveal, too? I mean, is that going to be play a factor in it? So, uh, there's probably going to be stuff they're going to have to cut out if they're not going to make it a two-parter. But still, it should be really cool to finally see Hush adapted into an animated movie. I think it's going to be really really cool.
1: Yeah, just don't don't add anything to yes. the story. <laughs> don't add
2: your own prelude to it. <laughs> Killing
1: joke. <you.
2: laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's no need to. This Hush yeah. is what like a 12 or 14 part Story yeah <laughs> <So> it's long <laughs> Enough where they don't need to add anything Like I said if anything they're probably to have to cut stuff out
1: Yeah that's why it's going to be a two-parter <laughs> so Just Don't don't add Anything your own Prelude that you came up with Um And yeah Tim You should uh Get that cough looked at Yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> sorry killing joke Oh there it goes again <laughs> But yeah, The other thing that has me excited or it will have me excited if they go this route is that if they are going to do it where it's just a comic adaption and it's not part of their animated universe continuity. I mean, seeing Jim Lee designs, hopefully they stick to that and being able to see that in animation, I think it'd be really, really cool. So I'm kind of hoping that's the case with this one. And, you know, that's what I was expecting with the death of Superman, but they made that in their animated universe continuity. So this might be the same, but. We're not sure. I'm kind of hoping that it's not. I mean, to, if it is, it's not going to be the end of the world, but just to see some of Jim, Jim Lee's design of those classic characters and hush kind of be adapted into animation, I think would be really, really cool. So that was a cool announcement to get, but at the same time, I'm thinking, when are we going to get that nightfall announcement? That's, that's to me is like the Holy grail of Batman animated movie <laughs> comic and that I'm waiting for. The fact that we got the death of Superman last year gave me hope that maybe next year would be nightfall, but Alas, it was not to be, and my long wait is still going to have to continue. But one of these years, I think it'll happen. But, so, yeah, a lot of cool animated uh, movie announcements from Comic-Con with that slate for 2019. And again, just hearing the buzz on the death of Superman, I just can't wait to get that. So definitely be talking about that on our next one. But, Dane, there is nothing bigger in the animated front than the panel of Batman, the animated series, Blu-ray. This wait, was, Tim, wait. So, so you're including Clone Wars with this. I I said in a tweet there was two panels I couldn't wait for, the 10-year anniversary and the Batman animated series Blu-ray. They were hand-in-hand hand close, but I guess Clone Wars put it over the edge afterwards once we got the announcement yeah. <laughs> that we're getting more Clone Wars. But going into it, both of these were like right there as my top two most anticipated. Yeah. But we finally got information on the Blu-ray box set, when it's coming out, what it's going to include, special features and all that good stuff. So they announced that October 16th is when they're going to be able to get our hands on this. And I immediately pre-ordered <laughs> their Deluxe Collector's Edition, which is, you know, they have a pictures of it released and you can check it out on the BatmanUniverse.net. It's a really nice looking box set. I mean, it's uh, the box is the classic Batman the Animated Series logo of Batman silhouette was holding up his cape. Um, and the box, it's a little similar design wise, a little bit, at least like the art book part portion of it and where the disc sleeve is at to the DVD complete collection that came out a couple of years ago, maybe even 10 years ago. Now I think about, I'm not sure, but that was a while ago, but, um, you're going to be getting the all 109 episodes, obviously. And then you're going to be getting, uh, an art book too, which looks really cool. And, um, looking at the images here I'm trying to look at the official press release that's going to be shows us all that's included in there um okay so also the three Funko Pops of Batman Harley and Joker and yeah I probably have the wrong page up, but I'm trying to look at like like specifically of what the art book and the pieces of art that's going to be in there but Guess I'm just as I'm scrolling down, I'm probably just missing it right here. But it's gonna come with a lot of cool stuff, to say the least. <laughs> and then also too, it's gonna be coming with the Sub Zero animated movie and Mask of the Phantasm on Blu-ray. So if you missed out on getting those releases that came out um, last year, and then Sub Zero earlier this year, this would be your chance to get pretty much most of Batman the animated series that was made during its run in one box set. I mean, which to me is really really cool. And then they announced the special features for it, um, which to me makes this even more (laughs) worth it, is that we're getting a brand new documentary, an hour-long documentary about the series. It's called The Heart of Batman. And it says, it's a rare gathering of talent uh, that defined Batman for a generation. 25 years later, Batman, the animated series, continued to inspire fans and myth makers all over the world. This hour-long documentary takes an in-depth look at the renowned storytellers behind the landmark series. So getting a full, pretty much almost a full-length documentary on Batman the Animated Series is going to be amazing. And they're also incorporating all the previous special features and documentaries that were on um, the previous DVD set. So it's going to be a really complete package um, that's going to have everything before and some new stuff, which to me is awesome. And the only thing, I guess this is just my own uh, nitpicking here, wishful thinking that I wish we would have gotten. I was kind of hoping that, you know, as they're, remastering the episodes it would be awesome if they got you know bruce tim paul dini kevin conroy and others involved with the series to do commentaries on every single episode but it's just going to be the commentaries we've already gotten on the previous uh, dvd releases it's just going to be a select few so it's kind of hoping for some new ones at the least but and my again my ultimate hope was commentary on every episode that would be amazing but it's not not you know not the a deal breaker where i'm not going to get this said because i mean from what I've heard, I've seen a little bit of comparison shots from, you know, people who are at the panel. You could tell a difference of how cleaned up it's. Look, I just can't wait to see it for myself, just how much they cleaned up the series. So, yeah, I am super excited for it. October 16th can't come soon enough. And hopefully, since I pre-order it uh, pretty early, I there's a slight chance that it can come early. You know, that happens sometimes with <laughs> releases when you pre-order ahead of time. So if I get it a few days earlier, I mean, that would be... Even better. But man, I just can't wait. This is going to be awesome. And how much um, did it cost you? Uh, by, on Amazon, it was like $112. Oh. <laughs> but this is Batman the Animated Series we're talking about here. I don't care what price they put on there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting it day one. But. And hopefully, again, this is just the kickoff for more of the animated series to get blu releases like Superman and Batman Beyond. Just complete... The DCAU collection on Blu-ray, which I I think, would be amazing and remastered like it looks like they're doing with Batman the Animated Series. So hopefully this is just a starting point. But, man, it looks so cool. Just can't wait. And so, yeah, that's it for kind of the animated announcements and comic book stuff. But now we're going to get into some of the trailers we got at reveal.comicon. And the first one we're going to talk about is Young Justice and the – or just Young Justice Outsiders. <laughs> I almost said and the Outsiders, but – um, yeah, finally, our look at Young Justice Season 3. Uh, they had a panel about that. And we know that it's unfortunately got pushed back a little bit. <laughs> it's not going to launch with the DC Universe streaming service. But um, the trailer they released for it, pretty much the first half of it was just a recap of you know Season 2 and how things left there. But I got to say, good thing they had, they included that on there because it was a nice refresher for me. Because it's been a while since I've seen the end of Young Justice. So it was kind of nice to get that little recap on there, seeing how everything ended with season two and reminding you, like, oh, what a cliffhanger to end with Vandal Savage meeting with Darkseid. And at the time when we first saw it, thinking, oh, we're never going to get the answer to that. So I think it was kind of cool how they cut the trailer. That was the last shot they put in the trailer. And then, it boom, it starts kicking in into the new footage of season three. And it's looking like, I mean, they haven't skipped a beat. The animation looks just like how I remembered it. Got The voice actor's all back. And it just looks, you know, really cool and great to have Young Justice back again. The dealt a little bit with, you know, what the series was going to be about, which they announced previously, about metahuman trafficking and how Nightwing, Superboy, and Artemis and other members of the first Young Justice team are going to try to stop that. And so that wasn't too much on the narrative. We got a little bit of that again, just dealing with the metahuman trafficking, but there's pretty much just, it's a sizzle of like quick cuts of action scenes showing off all the characters we're going to be getting in season three. And there is definitely a lot of them <laughs> I mean, with uh, the main characters and new ones. And we got to see Lobo in there. We got more uh, the humor from uh, kid flash. Again, it's not the Wally West version because he's uh, supposed assumingly got killed in season two. So we'll see if he comes back, but uh, the Bart, Alan flash kid flash in there had some good jokes and corny jokes, but in my mind funny (laughs) And so just yeah a lot of stuff that made young justice great I think was on display in this trailer here and I just can't wait to see more of it and That was great about it too. We not only get more stuff with uh, the characters like from young justice, but just like in the series previous two seasons, the Justice League will be a part of the season two because we got shots of Batman fighting Bane, which looked cool. We got shots of Wonder Woman, Flash, and Shazam. So that was one of my favorite things about Young Justice was how most series like back back in the day where it would probably be focused on like the younger team heroes, but you wouldn't include any of the main heroes. Kind of like the 2003 Teen Titans series how they pretty much rarely mentioned Batman or had any mentions of Uh, other justice league members i know they didn't show them but i know they probably might have mentioned him here and there but we definitely didn't see him on the show and that's why i just loved about young justice they weren't shying away from you know showing how large the dc universe is with incorporating you know the younger heroes with the main members of the justice league and the fact that that's continuing for season three is just awesome so yeah the trailer looks cool and just can't wait for the season to show up on DC Universe streaming service. I know it's going to be one of the main draws and attractions for people to sign up for the DC Universe would be for Young Justice. So the sooner the better that that gets released, I think. But yeah, it's looking really, really good and just picking up right where we left off. Can't wait. Now we get to one of the more controversial trailers (laughs) we got from Comic Con. And this was probably the very first thing I saw on Thursday morning once Comic Con got kicked off and this was for Titans, the live action show that's going to you know, be the main attraction for the DC Universe service once it launches, because this is going to be the first original programming that's going to be there when it launches. And to say it got a mixed reaction might have been an understatement, because there was a lot of different takes on this one. And yeah, I'll go ahead and just say right off the bat, um, not what I was expecting, to be honest. I mean, we knew they said it was going to be going for a more gritty take of the Titans, but I didn't think it'd be going this like dark and gritty where Robin is throwing F-bombs. <laughs> <So>, I mean, <laughs> it, it, that became the meme of the day, F-Batman. I mean, you saw <laughs> that everywhere afterwards. So that's going to be, I think, the series' calling card now, whether they intended it or not. Like It's going to be known for that F-Batman line, which, to me, just felt like, Hey, guys might be trying a little too hard here for make it too edgy and adult and or whatever you want to call it so but at the same time i'm gonna say i did not hate this trailer like i know a lot of people did i got some issues with it mainly with it trying to be a little too dark and edgy or just coming off as force and some of the costumes do not look great sorry starfire but we saw those there were some leaked images of the Starfire costume. And the wig that she's wearing. That did not look good. And sad to say. I don't think it looks much better. Seeing it in motion. So. Well, I mean maybe she'll. Get her more traditional costume. She has like the. The wig just does not look good. And she has like a fur coat. But hopefully she'll get. You know maybe a new hairstyle. that <laughs> doesn't require a wig. And a more traditional costume. Because that one is still standing out. Not being that great. But. Um, there was other stuff I liked about it though. I mean I did like. the guy who's playing uh, Dick and Robin, uh, I believe his name is Brandon Dwight, if I remember right. I mean, despite, you know, trying to make him all dark and edgy and seeing the F Batman stuff, seeing him in a costume, in the Robin costume, looks really cool. I think the fight sequences look pretty cool too. Seeing Hawk and Dove in action, I mean, they're brutal fights. You could definitely see they're going more for, you know, a bloodier action sequences with that. But, um, I mean, if it pulls it off where, you know, it's not, over the top, which I didn't get that impression in the trailer, but you don't want to go too overboard with that. So that looks good. And with Raven, um, she's they kind of hinted at the end with her being more like her, you know, traditional, uh, form and how she looked in the comic with the white skin and all that. But I do like kind of setting up the mystery with her teaming up with Dick at the beginning, thinking there's something wrong with her. She goes to the Haley circus and knows that, you know, Dick was the boy who lost his parents there and they had flashbacks with, showed that which looked pretty cool. Then Dick being a police officer, I think is a well at least that's the impression I got there, where he was they were kind of like an interrogation room with her and he was, you know, filling out a report and she's telling Dick what she knows. So um I do like that aspect of going with Dick there. But at the same time too, going back to the whole how, you know, Dick is upset at Batman at this point. that's something that's going to be interesting to see how they play off. I hope they don't go too extreme. Like, we've, <laughs> I mean It's kind of hard not to think so with how he dropped the F-bomb in the trailer saying F-Batman, and that's going to be his driving force, like the dick-hating Batman. And I'm, I'm sure I know what they're going for is having him uh, make that transition into Nightwing and kind of leave behind the Robin costume. But um, I don't know. Just don't have him be too out of character in his angst and, I guess, anger with Batman. I mean, the animated series did it perfectly of how – Dick got frustrated and eventually left uh, being Robin and left Bruce. So there's a way to do it, you know, that can show his frustration, understand why he's, you know, not the biggest or has his fallout with Batman. But you can go a little overboard with that, too. So hoping that's not the case here. Um, So, yeah, it was a mixed bag for me. I didn't hate it, but it was definitely understand all the criticism that it seemed to be getting. So I'm still going to give the show a shot when it comes out, because I've heard some people say it looked like cheap and very amateurish. Besides from Starfire's costume, I didn't get that vibe too much at all from uh, the other stuff I've seen in here. So I don't really agree with that. But at the same time, we'll see how it all comes together once uh, the series starts, when the DC Universe streaming service launches. So I don't know. What what was your first reaction? I know you forgot about it once Clone Wars came out. But before that, what was your reaction, Dave?
1: Um, I'm good. (laughs) Uh, I, I, I don't really need this. Um... It's definitely, for me, it's a vote in the, I'm not going to sign up for the DC streaming service. Um, it's trying too hard, way too hard um, to out dark, I guess you could say, yeah. Arrow, you know, trying it's trying to me be even. that, go ahead.
2: I was going to say, I'm sorry, they're, not, they're trying to go for, like, the Marvel Netflix shows, like Daredevil, but even that, like, yeah. oh, we got to outdo that even, like, drop F-Bonds, make it more bloody and all that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I'm glad you brought up those Marvel TV shows on Netflix, because with that, with, with those shows, it seems like they use the same exact warehouse, you know, to film <laughs> their fight scenes, and it's the same with um, this Titan show, it's, it, it seems like they're using the same set. That they use for Arrow, you know it. It, <laughs> it looks it looks almost exactly the same uh, visually. Um, so uh, yeah, it's trying way too hard. It doesn't look good at all to me. Um, you know the sets and the costumes. It just doesn't look that good to me. I know they're trying to shock people with the F Batman thing. It doesn't shock me. <laughs> I'm sorry. It doesn't. Or um, eye rolling. So, yeah. It's just more like, uh, oh, okay. We're going this, this, I mean, we're swooping this low. Um, yeah, it's going to be a hard no for me on this one. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. I can't say I'm too surprised. I know yeah. plenty of others who share your reaction. <laughs> yeah. And
1: I, I, I know a lot of people who like the trailer. Um, but for me, it's going to be a no. It's going to be a no to the DC streaming service.
2: Um, yeah. Yeah, I think... i th- got to say, I mean, looking at some of the social media reactions, I think the reaction's more been on the negative side than a mix and split reaction, because I know there are those who like it. I've been seeing just a lot more negative stuff for, it. and I think it kind of took DC by surprise <laughs> with that. I'm sure they weren't expecting to have that kind of reaction from the shows. I'm wondering if it's going to make them reevaluate certain things, whether there are other TV shows they have in development or maybe even this one going forward. Of course they'll wait to see once the actual episodes come out, but I kind of think they were taken a little bit surprised by the negative reaction this trailer got because I'm sure that wasn't their intention. That's for sure. (laughs) Well,
1: it seems like this was going to be the big thing that was going to be the selling point for the uh, streaming service and it kind of did the opposite for me. I mean, not, mm-hmm. not only was it the fact that you're going to be switching out contents every
2: quarter. Is it Tim? I don't uh, think they said they gave a time. Like when yeah. the content's going to be switched, but it is going to be in a rotation. Yeah. Uh,
1: Young justice, not really selling me on anything, but this was supposed to be the big selling point, and And uh, they missed the mark uh, at, at least with this trailer. You know, I'm not sure about the show, but at least with this trailer and what they've shown, uh, yeah, they, they missed the mark from me.
2: Well, I'll be sure to let you know if it's any improvement over the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> once the episode does come out on the streaming service. I, like I said, I'll still be checking it out. Yeah. Uh, But before we move into the,
1: um, the, the two big trailers, I guess you could say, okay. Uh, can, mm-hmm. can we do the, uh, second one first?
2: The second one first. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which is, you know, we're going to be going into Warner Brothers main dc movie panel from saturday (laughs) the big hall h1 so you know you were right there was two big trailers and i was going to save the last one for last but yeah it's staying let's go first we'll go to start with the aquaman trailer and this is the one you know pretty much i would say the big anticipated trailer of comic-con since marvel wasn't at this one they weren't going to show any new stuff from the mcu so this was uh warner brothers and dc's time to shine and kind of show what's coming up so and they did with shazam and aquaman but since you wanted to talk about aquaman first name let's i'll go ahead and start with you and your reaction for the trailer
1: okay good because um i the reason why i wanted to do this one first was because uh to to keep up the um i guess the the my the theme of uh, comic-con and dc which is uh for me anyway uh which is yeah this did not sell me on Ah. on Aquaman (laughs) Uh, for one thing it was a bit of a mess um, this entire trailer seems like we're going from one thing to another thing to another thing to another thing that's not really connected and I understand that that's what a trailer does but um, I was looking for some sort of connection between all of this and it just looks too in your face um, too overblown um And that's a big thing for me where it's just like these huge action set pieces that don't really have anything to do with story. And it seems like that's the route they're going with. Um, it's just these huge, big action scenes. And Aquaman is, you know, back to his old ways where he's doing the, the woohoos and the yeah mans <laughs> and the, you know. Yeah. And. I hate to say it Tim but it it didn't it it, it made it worse for me <laughs> to wow. the point where I'm, I'm probably not going to see it uh yeah I'm probably not going to see it <laughs> <laughs> I mean I ah. hate to I, I, I hate to bash on it because uh well I'm trying to do it in a positive way but <laughs> There is no positive way, but
2: really there had to be one thing that looked like pretty cool to you in the trailer. Just no, one not thing. Not really.
1: Uh, maybe Manta.
2: I <laughs> was going to, I was going to be my, you
1: know, like not even black Manta because he looks awesome. <laughs> but even then it kind of looked like it was plastic.
2: Yeah, that's how he's supposed to look. <laughs> I
1: guess, but it looks plastic. Um, so, yeah, if anything, like the Titans trailer kind of did the opposite for me, whereas you kind of got hyped for it, more hyped, more hyped for it. This one kind of made it go in the opposite direction for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: well, that's a bummer, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially
1: I... the fact that it was, I don't know, it, it just looked overblown, like they, they just do these big things just to have them,
2: you know? Yeah, well, I will say this about it. I don't think it was the best put-together trailer yeah. um, because, like, even one example, the way it ended was just Aquaman and Mara jumping out of the plane, and, like you say, he's going, and all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> to me, it, it was, like, a real lackluster way to end the trailer. Like, Aquaman jumping out of a plane into the desert It just, like, <laughs> kind of ended on a meh note for me, like, if anything it should have been him jumping into the ocean or like a big ocean uh, action set piece to end the trailer on. There's this there's certain points in the trailer that I agree with. Oh, uh sorry
1: Tim, I don't mean to cut you off, but that's okay. uh one thing I wanted to say was um or ask, because I haven't really looked it, into anything with this movie. Is that Ted Morrison?
2: Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm.
1: That's one positive. <laughs> no, okay, you found one. Good. Yeah, yeah. Ted Morrison in anything, I'll watch it. <laughs> yes uh so,
2: even he's uh, this is a second shot at a DC movie because he played Abin Sur in Green Lantern. Oh yeah, which, I totally
1: forgot about that.
2: But he was good in that too, even yeah. though you know it was a short role, and we all know the fallout from that movie, but <laughs> which we don't go into. So hopefully he'll have success with this one, yeah, because he's playing uh, Arthur's dad, and uh, obviously as you can tell in the trailer, but yeah. So I I will say it wasn't a perfectly cut together trailer, but. Man, the stuff I was looking forward to seeing, it delivered for me, which, of course, is the big Atlantis stuff. And, man, they're, it looks incredible. See, I know you were saying how it was like they just want to throw all this stuff at you and to show you the big action set pieces. And to me, that's for an Aquaman movie. I think that's kind of what they needed to do because what I loved about it so much, it's something we've never seen before in a comic book movie and almost in any movie in general period. Like how many like epic underwater battles have we seen in a movie? It really? Not too many or any. I can't really think of any right now. But uh, if you do, you can let me know. (laughs) But the scale of what these battles could be just looks really, really incredible. And I'm just glad they're really going all out and showing what Atlantis could be. They're not shying away from it. And, you know, kind of hate to go back to the Green Lantern movie again. But, you know, (laughs) couldn't wait to get off of Oa and not show too much of the cosmic side of the DC universe. So the fact that they're just going all in and showing Atlantis and the species in there, the different underwater creatures. And that's going to be for an epic Lord of the Rings style (laughs) underwater battle sequence. To me, all that stuff looks awesome. And I guess maybe me coming off of knowing Aquaman's mythology a little bit, reading Jeff John's new 52 run, there is enough story beats in there for me to go, okay, cool. They're hitting that note from the stuff I like on Jeff John's run, you know, uh, the reluctant, uh, rightful ruler to the throne being called back to his kingdom to take control of it because his brother, Orm ocean master is going to lead a war against the surface dwellers. All that's keeping true to the Aquaman mythology, which I like seeing in there. And this, again, the insight and looks we got at Atlantis, the first part of that trailer where he's fighting with ocean master and Orm, that little arena battle they're having. That looks really cool. And just seeing these different types of active sequence underwater, I think it's going to be really, really awesome to see. And, it was a little positive for you but to me it was the highlight of the trailer black Manta, man he looked amazing his costume you know is one of the cooler ones in comics and you know of course dc but in comics in general and the seeing it brought to life in live action and seeing those laser beams come out of his eyes was just like oh man it looked incredible so i was really happy with with black Manta and his appearance in the trailer i was hoping he'd get is one moment to shine and he definitely did in this trailer. So I know he's not going to have the biggest role in the movie because I know ocean master is the main villain, but looks like he's going to at least going to have one big action sequence with Aquaman and hopefully set up for future stuff with him in the sequels. Cause he needs to be a main villain in an Aquaman movie. He's Aquaman's he's pretty much Aquaman's Joker. I mean, he has to be the main threat at one of these, one of these films if he gets a sequel. So uh, to me, they just uh, really nailed what I was hoping to see it in this trailer showing what's going to make this movie unique and possibly special. If it delivers on all fronts with how they're doing Atlantis. So yeah, some of the surface, like I agree with you, some of the stuff from Jason Momoa with Aquaman, like the surfer dude type <laughs> attitude was still on display yeah. here, which I don't necessarily hate, but to me, it's not like, I don't want the character to be known for that necessarily. <laughs> Cause that seems like what they're doing every trailer with Justice League. And now this, he's having those screams and yells, That he's doing, which is, you know, could get a little too much if they try showing that aspect of him more on a regular basis. But again, another one of my favorite parts of the trailer, too, was in the very beginning where they're showing him as a little kid getting bullied. And then you see the shark come up to the glass tank where they're at the aquarium and just seeing that his abilities to communicate with animals and the animals or the sea animals and the sharks and the ocean life that were at that aquarium come all the way up to the front glass to protect them from those bullies. I thought was a really cool moment too. So um, yeah, to me, I'm excited for it. Like I said, it hit all the stuff I was hoping to see for it. And again, not the perfect trailer I would think for it, but what they showed of Atlantis was enough for me to just get really, really excited for what's to come. And also another thing too, I forgot to mention, they showed a little bit of the trench, the creatures that uh, Jeff Johns introduced in his new 52 run, like these deep sea, like underground water creatures who, you know, come up and wreak havoc and we see that where they're just tearing this boat apart and you see a bunch of them climbing on the boat and then going down on the ocean. It's just such a cool shot. So yeah, there was just a lot of really great, you know, shots in this trailer and again just showing Atlantis of how I was hoping it would be. So I'm excited for it. December twenty first, I believe it's coming out. So I'm sure we'll get another trailer soon. So we'll see how much more <laughs> cool Atlantis stuff they show for it. So uh sorry you didn't didn't work for you, Dane, but hopefully, once the movie comes out and it lives up to my expectations for it, it'll be something that, you know, will get, you know, people (laughs) to not only see the movie, but just get DC's movie on another roll again. And I think this has the potential to do that and then follow that up with the other trailer we got (laughs) for DC's upcoming slate at the Warner Brothers panel. And I'm hoping since you wanted to talk about Aquaman first and have that. Still go in kind of your more, you know, disappointment trailers following Titans. I'm hoping Shazam has a different uh, reaction from you. So what did you think of the Shazam trailer?
1: Well, I hated it. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> um, this one is the one I'm I'm excited for. Out of all the trailers we got, yes. you know, the, the, the Young Justice, the Titans, the Shazam. I mean, I mean, the Aquaman. Uh, this is the one. This is the... Surprising, surprisingly, because when they first announced this movie, it's kind of like, why are they doing this? Mm-hmm. This isn't really making any sense. Nobody really likes Shazam. Um, but yeah, this one surprised me. Uh, for, for, for one thing, it's funny. It's genuinely funny yep. and uh, intentionally funny. Um, you, you know, you're not laughing at something that's not supposed to be funny. So... It's got that working for it. Uh, Zachary uh,
2: Levi. Levi. I remember on the last episode I, think I said Quintel and you had to correct me. Yeah. <laughs> so I got it right this time. <laughs> uh,
1: Zachary Levi. Uh, looks like he's going to be really good in it. Looks mm-hmm. like he's got a great story. He's got a great look. Uh, something that DC really needs right now. Uh, they don't need that big action set piece. They just need a simple you know real world look right mm-hmm. looks like this movie has got got it looks like looks like it's got a great cast um weird but out of all the movies all the tv shows this is the one i'm looking most looking forward to because this, this looks like it's a well made movie uh, to me um kind of reminds me of I, I don't know if you saw the amazon show the tick um the, the, I saw the, the first
2: episode when
1: yeah, uh, they starring, had like a preview uh, for it and... starring uh, Darth Maul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it kinda reminds me of that. Uh it's funny, okay. it's real world. They they can do this big thing, but they just choose to intentionally do a smaller story. Right? Um so Yeah, similarities similarities between the two shows. I mean, the the show and this movie, and if it's anything like the show, I'm looking forward to it because I really love that show.
2: I also heard there was a moment in the Tick TV series where they played Three Eleven's "Come Original." (laughs) Oh, did they? Check it out just for that.
1: (laughs) I'm sorry, I didn't really pay attention to uh,
2: (laughs) "Come Original" by Three Eleven. I'm disappointed in you, Dane. <laughs> How can you not immediately <laughs> think of me? I... <laughs> no, but yeah, I'm right there with you. This was, I wouldn't say a surprise that it looked this good because I, I was excited for the Shazam movie. I, I mean, I was hoping that it would be as good as I was hoping and expected it to be. So I can't say it's a surprise. I think it met my expectations, but in that front. But I will say maybe I was surprised that it was my favorite dc trailer out of all the ones kind of like you said and they oh, just wow, really yeah i mean i was all much as i liked all the aquaman yeah. like, atlanta stuff i think this one just all all together was a better put together trailer and oh. just really captured the tone of what i was hoping they would for shazam you know and again that fun aspect of a kid being a superhero was i think gonna be the biggest selling point for this movie and like i was saying with aquaman how it, the Atlanta stuff was going to be stuff we'd never seen before in a comic book movie. The same is going to be said for Shazam. And I like the comparison that uh, Zachary Levi said, it's like pretty much uh, big meets like a comic book movie. So that's exactly what it has that feel to it. This is going to be so much fun to see that play it on screen. But this is such a fun trailer from the beginning of seeing Billy Batson interact, you know, with, you know, his friend in the foster family. And I love seeing all the, uh batman and superman stuff in his room just how his friend is obsessed with superheroes, like superman and batman and billy Batson's not really or like doesn't really care about him but once he becomes a superhero he goes to his friend and he's going to show him the ropes and you know stuff what it takes to be a superhero so all that stuff looks looks fun and that montage they had of okay let's test out your superpowers you got super strange you got can you fly (laughs) that moment where he flies a little bit of the air and then falls was great. I love that little bit too, where he's charging everyone's phone, like your phones charge, your phones <laughs> charge. All that stuff's really fun. And then the the ending I thought was great too where he was got shot. And it's like, oh man, you're like you have bullet immunity. And all, That's awesome. It he gets serious. Oh, you you're dead. <laughs> and it's <just goes laughs> those robbers out of the convenience store they'll just play it all nonchalantly. Just really great stuff. Capturing that aspect of a kid being a superhero I think it's gonna be really, really fun. But also just like too, even from mythology standpoints and comic accuracy for the geeks like us who <laughs> pay attention to that type of thing, I just think they're nailing the the look in the mythology of Shazam. Billy Batson going on the subway, going to the Rock of Eternity, me- meeting the Wizard Shazam, and just I gotta say, my favorite moment of the trailer it's simple. But it's just really effective of what Shazam's all about. Just it wasn't at the part where he meets the wizard Shazam and he says it for the first time, but it's just b- seeing Billy Batson walk casually and he just says Shazam, and you immediately see him turn into you know Shazam slash Captain Marvel. <laughs> but just seeing that effect play out in the trailer, you know, it in live action, was really really cool. So yeah, they're nailing the tone and just what I was hoping to see from a Shazam movie when it was first announced, and I cannot wait. So like I was saying with Aquaman, I think with Aquaman, for me, it's looking like something really unique, and I think it can get DC going on a nice roll if it all delivers and comes together for a good movie, but then continuing that with Shazam, with something that's so unique and totally different from Aquaman, but yet... It it'll just be great to have a nice one-two punch of those two films if they're both successful. And I think they really have the potential to do that. I think maybe more so with Shazam with a more mainstream casual audience because I think there's this something about it that's going to appeal to a more wider audience who just wants to, you know, kind of have a a good fun time at a superhero movie and seeing, uh, you know, something different with a kid becoming a superhero and at the same time hopefully that bringing in more of a younger audience for them to get invested into a superhero that's you know pretty much living out every child's dream who likes this, likes comic books and superheroes to actually become one. So I think it has potential to have a more wider appeal to the mainstream audience with Shazam. So, yeah, it was just a really great trailer and can't wait to see more from it. I think it's going to be something really, really unique and different.
1: Yeah, and you hit on another point that I wanted to bring up. It looks genuinely fun and funny, whereas, you know, you, you look at Justice League or the Aquaman trailer, it's really, really forced. It's trying to be fun, you know, with uh, all Aquaman's woohoos and, um, just as I think it was trying to be funny because everybody thought Batman versus Superman was so dark. Mm -hmm. Um, this one genuinely looks like they did a really good job or they try They, they, in a natural way, let's say tried to make it fun (laughs) and funny, you know? Mm. and it looks like they're going to pull it off. So um, uh, out of all the movies, I'm looking forward to Shazam.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be kind of a, I don't want to say sleeper hit, but one that maybe a lot of people don't see coming that could, you know, strike a chord with the audience. I think it really has that potential. So, yeah, I mean, hope here's hoping that better days are ahead for the DC movie universe late, and hopefully it gets kicked off with Aquaman and then it keeps rolling with, shazam and then with wonder woman 1984 they did show some wonder woman 1984 footage at the panel but they didn't release it because it was so early in production <laughs> but yeah. i think that was some descriptions of it said it was wonder woman you know saving a little girl at a mall like kind of pushing her into a giant teddy bear <laughs> from uh, from robbers or some criminals that were there that she uh, takes down with the last of the truth so um hopefully we'll get a well i shouldn't say hopefully soon we'll get a trailer for wonder woman maybe probably around early next year because it comes out in December 2019. So it might be a while (laughs) before we start seeing stuff from that. But um, this is another first for a Warner Brothers DC panel where they just focused on the movies that they have coming out now. They didn't, you know, have a sizzle reel saying, you know, Batgirl coming, Green Lantern Corps coming, Birds of Prey coming, like stuff that's barely getting off the ground and some not quite yet. So it was kind of good that they just focused on the two, the two movies, or I should say three with Wonder Woman that we know for sure are coming, that have been filmed <laughs> and are filming. So it was kind of a different sort of strategy for them this year, not just to tease and say, look what we have down the pipeline, when some of those movies might not even see the light of day. So it was kind of good just to see them focus on what we know for sure is coming. Yeah, and because, that's I, mean, I
1: mean, they can say that they're going to do a Green Lantern Corps movie or whatever, but then you see the release date and it's like 2035, you know, and it's like, okay. <laughs> Okay, uh, so over okay. <laughs> over 15 years from now, I'm gonna get an Aquaman. I mean, a, a Green Lantern movie.
2: <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Well, you make bring up a good point. Remember a few years ago, was it 2014? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. it was 2014 or 2015? Before Batman vs Superman came out, they had that whole release date slate of all these movies that are supposed to come out. And I think the only ones that hit were Wonder Woman, uh, Justice League, and Aquaman. got all no shazam was even on there at the time but i don't think so you had the cyborg movie yeah you had uh queen lanticore is supposed to be out in 2020 i I don't think that's happening now (laughs) (laughs) Flashpoint, right yeah flashpoint was another one or and uh justice league part two was the other one that was on there so yeah and then all these stuff we're hearing about you know the harley quinn and joker movie the joker solo movie with jared leto the birds of prey movie i mean Birds of Prey is probably going to happen. We're hearing more and more stuff about it. But the fact that it's not you know, officially in production yet, probably, like I said, a good idea that they didn't even start teasing or making any announcements that have to do with future projects that we're not sure are going to come. So yeah, definitely a change for them, but I think definitely a smart move to do too. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, and it's it, it's also what makes me kind of, you know, sort of scared for the, uh, the Star Wars movies you know the 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 new series of movies by the creators of Game of Thrones mm. and uh-huh. Ryan Johnson's new trilogy and you know the Boba Fett movie the Obi-Wan movie the whatever else movie right yeah it, they announce these things but how many if, if we're going to use the DC movie announcement strategy how many of those movies are actually going to become movies
2: yeah well I'd like to think DC, I mean, uh, Disney and Lucasfilm have yeah. a better track record than Warner Brothers. Disney oh right, films. yeah. But just look at Disney <laughs> and Marvel. They, for like, after, uh, what year was it? it was twenty thirteen or twenty fourteen? Like, they had a big event at like the El Capitan Theater where they announced their like full movie slate for their Phase Three movies after Avengers: uh, Age of Ultron, the second Avengers movie. And they pretty much hit on all those movies. I mean, the last one, I think, on that list was the second, uh, or I should say the fourth Avengers movie, which is, is going to come out next year. And if anything, they even added one with Spider-Man Homecoming. So <laughs> they pretty much hit on all their planned releases. So with Disney behind that, I would, hopefully it's going to be more the same with these Star Wars projects as well, even if maybe some might get shuffled around here and there. But they definitely have a better track record than Warner Brothers, that's for sure. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's it for the big dc stuff at comic-con but i should say before we leave the warner brothers uh movie panel i gotta say my favorite trailer from that panel probably out of everything was the godzilla king of the monsters trailer i loved that trailer really <laughs> it looks so so good i mean i really like the first one minus the fact that they should have showed more on godzilla instead of the slow build-up to actually having him seeing him in a fight But I really like what they did with that movie.
1: uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. You you don't actually fully see Godzilla, right?
2: You do. There's one point in the middle where he's about to fight a monster. And you see a full-blown close-up shot of Godzilla about to fight. But you don't actually see him fight. You just see a little kid watching a news report that shows you glimpses of Godzilla fighting a monster. So you you don't actually see him fight until the very end. But you do see him fight. Like full full blown in the middle,
1: yeah. But you don't see him fully during that final fight, right? Yeah, not until the
2: final fight. Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. That was my biggest problem with the movie. Like they did that a little too much. (laughs) Well,
1: they had to make it a human story. I mean, it's it's it's, it's for Western, you know, it's for Western audiences. So you know, they have to have like a human story rather than you know if they. You know, the Japanese movies where it's just two monsters fighting each other and that's all you need. Right. And that's great. And, you know, there there isn't really that human story. It's just two monsters fighting. Right.
2: Yeah. See, I agree. And sometimes don't agree with that. It's weird because I agree. It's good to have human characters in there that you're invested with uh, to, you know, have the movie not be a total bore fest. if You know, the monsters aren't fighting each other. and You want to be invested in them. I felt Godzilla did that you know, well enough for the most part, especially with Brian Cranston. And I know that was another negative that he got spoiler or killed off <laughs> pretty like in the first act. But my thing is we go to these movies to see more of the monsters more than the humans. So I kind of do like it when the monsters get just a, a much or maybe a little more, but hopefully the same amount of screen time as some of the human characters do. And all I asked for was like movies like monster movies like Godzilla or Jurassic Park films just don't have the human characters be annoying where they're either trying to be too funny and they're not funny or they're like these annoying characters that scream all the time and just like scared of everything. That's what takes me out of the human element of these monster type movies is when characters are annoying. If they're characters that are, you know, maybe not well developed or whatnot, but as long as they don't get on my nerves and where it's like, man, this character is (laughs) irritating or hope he gets eaten by one of the monsters. As long as I don't have one of those, I could live with, like, not so much story and uh, screen time with the human characters. But that yeah. might just be me. But, again, this is why we see these movies, is to see the monsters.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, uh, speaking of which, y- you brought up um, Jurassic Park. I, re- I recently rewatched um The Lost World. Cause ah, it's so on... you did just like
2: me. <laughs> Would it take you 20 years like it did me? <laughs>
1: yeah, because it was on Netflix. Uh yeah, that's not a good movie. Uh, it's it's for one thing, it's boring. Yeah, it's super boring. Um, it should have been dinosaurs all the time. Um, yeah, Jeff Goldblum. I know a lot of people on the internet like him. Uh, he cannot carry a movie. Um, I I I know he was in The Fly, but that's sort of <laughs> like a. A horror movie, and it has that aspect playing for it. Him playing a psychologist or a mathematician or whatever he is, you know, it does not work. Um, he can't carry a movie. It seems like, and it's so boring. They should have just led with the dinosaurs. Boom! You know, dinosaurs everywhere, dinosaur, dinosaur, dinosaur. Rather than have Jeff Goldblum, his whole family, uh, his girlfriend. <laughs> Uh, the Hammonds, uh, you
2: know, they they should have just went dinosaurs the whole yeah, way. Yeah, and, and didn't you feel too? Because we were talking about our last episode, how I, we watched them not too long ago. Yeah, was how the dinosaur sequences in the Lost World, like they, were, they barely showed the dinosaurs. Like the whole trailer off the cliff sequence, they barely showed the Tyrannosaurus Rex till they ate uh, Eddie Carr in the in his Jeep, <laughs> and yeah. then it's like they're there, they eat them. Then they push the trailer out. They're gone. And then, like, the rest of the human... Like, the hunting party's there. Like, shouldn't they gone, like, interacted with the Tyrannosaurus Rex? Like, the Tyrannosaurus Rex don't move that fast. Like, the way it's cut together just seems like instant where the Tyrannosaurus leaves and then the more human characters go there to save them. It was like, just it was edited weird. And then even the Tyrannosaurus at the end in San Diego, the city it wasn't as long as I remembered it too. <laughs> it was just like the sequences with the actual dinosaur. They're just so short.
1: You know, it wasn't as thrilling mm-hmm, um, as yeah. I remember as a kid, because that was the highlight for me seeing a T-Rex in San Diego or in civilized society. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, not in the jungle, but it didn't have that same thrill that, um, you you even look you you even go back and watch the original Jurassic Park you see the T-Rex attack the jeep or the 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 car or um it's still you, so good man <laughs> yeah you see the T-Rex at the end in the museum right um mm-hmm. it has that thrill that magic you know yep, this exactly. one is just like oh there's a T-Rex and then or it starts off like oh there's a T-Rex and then it's like okay there's a T-Rex okay, there's a T-Rex, okay, we have to move past this already, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's not a good movie.
2: Um, yeah, sad to say, 20 years later, after seeing it again, it didn't change my opinion too much yeah, <laughs> afterwards. Yeah, right, right. But uh, I know you, said you saw Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom as well not too long ago, what do you yeah. think of that? Uh,
1: I see a lot of people's problem with it, um, you know, story-wise and everything but I loved it. Uh, it's, it's Jurassic oh, nice. park at its best. It's just dinosaurs. <laughs> you know, it's, if, if, if Steven Spielberg isn't going to do it, then just make it a monster movie. Just make it a regular mm. monster movie. Yeah. Just have the dinosaurs. That's all you need. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you, y- you got my butt in the seat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you got Tim's butt in the seat. Uh, You know, just make it that. It doesn't have to be a big, complicated story. Uh, Which is what I kind of felt that Jurassic World, the first one, had a problem with. You know, they tried to do the whole, like, oh, we're breeding these dinosaurs so they can be soldiers or whatever. Mm. Don't need that. Just have the dinosaurs overrun the park. That's all you need.
2: So, would you say you like this one more than Jurassic World?
1: Uh... Yeah. 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 I like this one. One of the Jurassic World.
2: See what I liked about this one too. I'm not sure if I said this when we talked about our last episode, but you could just like the things, the events that happened in Fallen Kingdom. You can see that really happening in our world if dinosaurs did exist. Like, like the debate to save the dinosaurs and the government getting involved and having dinosaur like right activists to try to save them. I could see all that happening in the real world, and then. Uh, at the end, the whole end sequence at that mansion and the auction, like, you could see that happening, too, <laughs> as far as the greed of man trying to exploit them and get all sell them off and get the most money they can out of them. So that's what I liked about it. And then I kind of said, too, at the end how I always had mixed feelings about it as far as and I, I didn't talk about it because I know we didn't want to spoil it for you, but now that you did. <laughs> um, the thing I was mixed about it, the dinosaurs like, spoilers if you haven't seen Fallen Kingdom yet, but how the dinosaurs pretty much go out into the open into the world like they're just on the loose and to me there was a concept about that that sounded really cool but at the same time what kind of held me back from really loving it is that if we get this does this mean we're going to get another lost world sequence again it's like is that what the next movie is (laughs) going to be more dinosaurs like the tyrannosaurus (laughs) rex in san diego because that's what i don't want to see and i kind of have a feeling i don't think they'll go that route again but it It raises an interesting question, though. What would life be like with dinosaurs now out in the mainland? And I think that could be an interesting avenue to explore. So there's a part of me that is excited to see where it goes, but I just hope it's not another Lost World scenario where it's just like a monster movie, dinosaurs attacking the city and all that. That was my reservation for it.
1: A little unrealistic because if you think about it, they would destroy our our ecosystem. Yeah. That's going to be interesting to see if they tackle that. Yeah, yeah. Like all the plants are gone, right? So, like, no more plants. And then, like, if you have an endangered species, the dinosaur is going to eat that, right? Because yeah. it, it doesn't see it as an endangered species. It just sees it as food. Exactly. So, uh,
2: Yeah. So, it, like, there was a great shot of that ending sequence. I just love with the lion and the Tyrannosaurus Rex roaring at each other. It's yeah. <laughs> just a really cool visual. <laughs> I just love that. But I was dumb enough. I didn't stay for the end credit sequence. I didn't think there was one because there hasn't never been one for a Jurassic Park movie, and there was one at the end. Did you stay and see it? No, I didn't. I, was, I, I go ahead. It was just was it was something short, but like say show the shot of Las Vegas. I think like the what was one of the hotels like the Paris. Yeah. do they have a hotel that's supposed to be like Paris or whatnot? Yeah. And there's a they show some pterodactyls just flying over there like. Standing on the Eiffel Tower, kind of just looking down at the people <laughs> that were this out on the Vegas Strip or whatnot. So I, I just read descriptions of it since I didn't stay to see it in the theater. I couldn't get to actually see it for <laughs> myself, but just kind of giving you a tease, I guess, what more so of what life is going to be like with just dinosaurs roaming around, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> going anywhere they want.
1: Yeah, going back to the Lost World, um, I guess what I didn't catch when I was a kid. Was um you know the main poacher guy? Uh-huh. He said, I, I'm pretty sure. Now, I'm going to have to go back and listen to the exact piece of dialogue, which I'm not going to do. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that movie. But I think he says his dream from when he was a kid was to
2: kill a T-Rex. Did he say that? See, that's... Was- I don't remember him saying that now even just watching about a month ago. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, like like when
1: he's first introduced as a character. I think he says, my dream since I was a kid was to kill a T-Rex.
2: And then I was thinking (laughs)
1: like, you had no idea that, you know, people were going to recreate dinosaurs, right? Yeah. (laughs) So like, how would you have that dream? I mean, why would you have that dream and keep it? Your entire life until up to this point.
2: Boy, did things really work out for him, man? Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Worse than the uh, lawyer in Jurassic Park.
2: <laughs> Worse than what way? Because the hunter guy didn't die.
1: <laughs> oh! Oh! No! 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 no I'm sorry. I, I I totally forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, well, either way, I don't, even if he did die in the movie, nothing's going to be as good as. No,
1: no, no. Sorry, sorry. I'm talking about when the um, the the uh, the mobile home goes over the cliff, uh-huh, and the guy okay. runs off. Yeah. And he gets torn in half. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Worse than the lawyer. Yeah. Sorry, that... I, I got the characters mixed up. Okay.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a YouTube video. Uh for the Jurassic Park general like like the top ten deaths of Jurassic Park franchise. Yeah. And number one was Eddie Carr from The Lost World getting torn in half yeah. by those two dinosaurs. <laughs> like yeah, that is probably the worst way to go. <laughs> That's what I figured. But um before we move off the Jurassic Park topic, <laughs> we oh, wait, talk
1: about wait, it last well, one more thing about Jurassic Park.
2: because no, I got one more thing to ask you about it too. So <laughs> oh, okay, good, good. Um
1: Am I misremembering we're in Jurassic Park 3? Is somebody trying to steal the eggs?
2: Yeah. uh huh. One of the,
1: the uh, security guys, right?
2: No, it was the the guy who was with Alan Grant, the one who works with him. He takes the eggs. Oh, thinking okay. He, thinking he can sell them and help get more money for their funding.
1: Oh, okay. I see, I
2: see. Yeah. And that's why the Raptors are after us. <laughs> yeah, <mostly>. yeah. <laughs> but the other thing I wanted to ask you, because... I'm just about done with the audio book for it. I got like an hour left and man, I've been enjoying it. I know after our last episode, I texted you saying I was reading it, and then you downloaded it. So did you, how far are you into it?
1: Uh, I am at the point where I'm pretty early on, uh, Dodge. And I, I, I didn't know this, but his name is Dodge sin.
2: Yeah. I still call him Dodson. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more with the movie. Way. Yeah, Yeah.
1: But, um, Dodson is uh pitching to the the board of the, the, okay. the rival company. Yeah uh uh to steal the information or steal the DNA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh this unknown he he has an unknown employee of
2: InGen <laughs> on his payroll. We all know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the I, one of the reasons of, I just love going back and listening to the book again. Like I first read, I was 10 years old. So a lot of things well, it flew over my head. <laughs> and one of the things I am appreciating more going back and reading it now or listening to it now is just the lead up that we get into the actual point where the characters go to Jurassic Park, like the buildup of uh, like the raptor incidents that happened, the Raptor attacks on some of the employees at engine and taking right. them to use, like these clinics and not knowing what it is. And then, the dinosaur specimen of the compies or I always have a hard time pronouncing those little dinosaurs, the ones who ate that guy in the Lost World, <laughs> the little green ones. Yeah, yeah. I think they're like uh, procom dim- gymnastics or something. like. <laughs> they say it a lot in the book, so maybe I'll eventually get the right pronunciation by the time I'm done with it. But everyone just calls them compies. <laughs> but like there's that specimen like a company gets to identify to see if it actually because it bites that little girl. That we saw at the beginning of the Lost World,
1: right, 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 and like they, they couldn't get the guy, so the guy, or they they could yeah they couldn't get the guy, so the guy sent it to somebody
2: else, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah just yeah. trying to see what it is because everyone's thinking oh it's just like lizard bites <laughs> and all that and That's that you got attacked by, it, but yeah, they're trying yeah. to figure out that it's not, and I just, I just love all the build up and lead into the, you know the mystery that there actually are dinosaurs that were brought back to life, and it just makes. I think the payoff even more great once we get to the portion in the book where they're interacting with tons of dinosaurs and we get these amazing action sequences in there. So I just it's been a real blast going through it again and just making me appreciate it a lot more. So
1: yeah, and, yeah, and also what I like about it, it, it I mean it's it, it's almost like a narrative nonfiction.
2: Yeah, I don't almost. know if you, I don't <laughs> know if
1: you ever read a book like that where it's they're telling the story, but they're they're telling it like a fiction book. Yeah, you know that the, they're not. You know, citing their sources or anything, they're just telling the story. Um, kind of feels like that. And I really, 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 really love that. And I hope it keeps up throughout the entire book, um, including when they go to the park and everything. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I, I like how Michael Crane kind of began the book with it sounds like random attacks yeah. of mm-hmm. like giant lizards.
2: Or other type of animals. Yeah,
1: or, uh, some, some kind of other animals, like, like like the doctor from Chicago, where it's like she she knows that that guy was attacked by some kind of animal because yeah. she sees like the 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 claw marks and there's some kind of like pus or ooze in it, right? Like infection, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. I l- I I totally love the audiobook. I'm so glad that you brought it up and then I bought it
2: and I'm listening to it. Yeah, it's been a blast. Like I said, to go through it. Now, afterwards, it's making me want to uh, go to The Lost World again. So, yeah, because that's totally different than the movie. Yeah. Just to see how that holds up as well. So, that might be the next one I listen to.
1: And that one is totally about Dodson?
2: Yeah, he's the main antagonist in it. Oh, Oh, okay. Good. (laughs) And since we're. Before we leave the Jurassic Park top, I was going to save this for our listener feedback and responses. But after our last episode, when we talked about it, I put a poll up on our Twitter page asking, you know, what was everyone's favorite sequels out of the Jurassic Park franchise? Because we all know the first one's the best. So I'm not going to include that one on there. So I'll just go ahead and share those results right now since we're on the subject of Jurassic Park. Um, Coming in last at 0.5% is the latest one, Fallen Kingdom. Maybe it's because it's recent and I know it kind of got a mixed reaction. But yeah. We'll see if maybe years down the line if we do another poll <laughs> if it picks up. But then tied for I guess second is the Lost World and Jurassic Park Three, both at seventeen percent. And wow, the really? clear winner. Yeah. I was oh. curious to see which one of those would actually win against each other, Lost World or Jurassic Park Three, but apparently they're the same. <laughs> But Jurassic World was the clear winner at 61%. And I would agree with that. I still think that is the best Jurassic Park sequel. And it just captured, oh, I think, what I liked a lot about the first one, even though it didn't capture the magic of the first one. It was felt a natural progression, I think, the series should go. So right now it's still my favorite as far as the sequel goes. And I don't think Fallen Kingdom will overtake it, but I think Fallen Kingdom will probably be up there as like, the third best one. Yeah, right definitely now. above uh, uh, Lost World. Yes, yeah. that I could definitely say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's it for our Jurassic Park and Comic-Con <laughs> talk uh, for this episode. A lot of trailers to go over and talk about. But yeah, as always, Comic-Con is always a fun weekend. I love that the time of the year where we just get all this cool new geeky comic book stuff to talk about and get our first looks about. So regardless of some of the feelings we might have on the stuff shown, it's just awesome to have that anticipation and look forward to getting this new stuff. So we'll see what we get next year. But so I've got a few news and discussion topics on this one that weren't made during Comic-Con, but stuff that got announced uh, a little bit beforehand. And I guess the main one, as far as Batman goes, is the Joker origin movie that's going to be separate from the main DCU is finally happening. It's confirmed. They got the cast. They got a release date, production date. It's happening. So it's now confirmed. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix is going to be the Joker in this origin movie. And it does have a title, too. I believe this is going to be called Joker. And we have a release date where it's going to be released next year on October 4th. So, yeah, it's happening regardless of how you feel about the idea of Joker getting a standalone origin movie. It's going to be get, coming next year. So right now I'm just, you know, wasn't something at the top of my list that I wanted to see. But now with Joaquin Phoenix being involved and definitely being the Joker we know how good of an actor he is. And he even said how he was waiting for to do like a villain type story kind of on a smaller budget. And I've heard too how he's kind of picky and about picking what projects and scripts to and movies to do. So there had to be something about this one that drew him to it and wanted to take. So that gives me a little more excitement for it, knowing that it could be something really cool and different. And I think I'm just going to go into it expecting, you know, A movie that's not your typical Joker story. I'm expecting something totally different, but at the same time, hopefully with those expectations in check, inspecting different stuff, a different take, but just having it be a good, well-told story, you know, with these characters that we do know. So um, that's kind of how I'm going to go into it. It's happening now, and might as well be more optimistic than just saying, why are we getting another Joker movie? Because uh, there's some good talent involved with this one so might as well try to <laughs> see the positive in it than just a, a negative of how that's oh, not going to connect to the universe they're going to change a bunch of things and if the point of these standalone separate dc movies is to tell unique stories and that's gonna be what i'm gonna go into it expecting but still hoping for something good it's still faithful enough and have enough aspects from the joker and the batman world that we come to expect so it's going to be interesting but it's definitely happening. It's no more if or when. <laughs> or I should say, it's no more if. It's just when now, which is October 9th.
1: <laughs> All I'll say to him is it's going to be interesting.
2: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we shall see how interesting, though. Because like yeah. I said, I think his fans should be preparing themselves for something different. And don't be shocked when Joker looks different or he, there's aspects to a story that's going to be so out there and, <laughs> that we haven't seen in a Joker story before. Because it was been rumors about thomas wayne playing a, a role in it so it makes me think you know there's going to be flashbacks with the joker because here's the thing i'll just go ahead and say it the rumor and speculation i don't know if it's actually going to happen but there's been rumors that with thomas wayne being involved with it that joker might end up being like the illegitimate son of thomas wayne and thus being a stepbrother for oh, Bruce. no so like that's the type of thing don't. you might have to expect <laughs> in these these different <laughs> Takes going on here. So, <laughs> uh, okay. It's, again, that's just a rumor. It's nothing yeah. definite, but, but okay. the re- word about Thomas Wayne being involved, I think mean, there's been speculation about that being a way they can go. Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so I have to calm you down even more, day? <laughs>
1: no, you just have to. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Tim.
2: I just. Expect the unexpected with this one. (laughs) Even the way he looks.
1: Let's just keep an open mind, Tim.
2: Yeah, that's (laughs) the right way to go about it. Like visually, story-wise, everything. Yeah. Like who knows if he's even going to be, you know, the white makeup or the white bleached skin in this movie. That might be something we don't get to the very end or if at all. I mean, it'll be, like you said, interesting. (laughs) They could go so many ways with this. It's going to be crazy. So yeah, well, it's going to be coming sooner rather than later. I mean, it's going to come out before Wonder Woman (laughs) 1984 does just a few months before, but I think it is a good idea that it's a smaller scale budgeted movie. so they can, you know, don't have to worry about having this monster opening weekend for it to be a success, which uh, for this type of movie that they want to do, I think is going to be perfect for it where it doesn't need a big humongous budget for it. So, Um, We'll see. We'll be hearing about it in the coming months. That's for sure. Once shooting starts, I'm sure there'll be some leaked images, and probably next year we'll get our first look at Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker. So, We'll see if this is a success for DC moving forward, but it's happening. And then the other bit of news we got before Comic-Con was that um, previously, there was announced that Batwoman's coming to the DC TV universe in the upcoming Arrow, Flash, Supergirl crossover, but now Batwoman is going to get her own TV series On the CW, which is going to, you know, spin off obviously from her appearance from that crossover, which to me is a surprise, but I guess a cool thing where they have enough confidence in, you know, the storyline they have planned out for Batwoman that she's going to have her own series now. So, I don't know, as the big Batwoman fan, Dane, how does this news uh, going to get you excited, or does it still make you want to wait and wait and see until the crossover actually happens where we get our first look at her?
1: Uh, It's going to be a wait and see for Tim to watch it. you know uh it seems like the cw shows have been hit and miss yeah so (laughs) i'm gonna wait for the tim review the official tim review
2: yeah see that's here's the thing with the cw shows at least they have a track record for me and i think a lot of other fans have noticed this too the first two seasons usually great the third season it kind of takes a little bit of a down. It's like eh, it was good, but not as good as the first two. And then when it hits the fourth, it's like, oh man, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, Flash kind of went through up and down this season. And season three was definitely let down from the first two seasons, which were great. I've said enough about Arrow about season three and four, how <laughs> disappointing and bad those were. And yeah, Supergirl season three um, actually wasn't too bad. Um, that actually was probably the better season three out of most shows. And Legends of Tomorrow, I kind of fell off on. I really wasn't getting into the story for season three, and I don't know if I'm going to continue watching it. There's too much of these shows coming out now, and if they're not holding your interest, it's kind of hard to keep up with all of them. So, but yeah, we'll see with Batwoman. The only thing I'm worried about is that how are they going to handle Batman? Is he going to be established? If he is established are we going to see him are we going to mention him it's going to be real interesting to see how they're going to walk that line as far as having batman in this universe because the, the one thing i'm kind of hoping they don't do is that batwoman and kate kane was you know the only bat hero character like she's the first batwoman where there is no batman to me that would be such a disappointing thing to have it's just like again this dctv universe still being scared to it, like recognize the main, like the big heroes of the DC universe, like Batman, Superman and Wonder Woman. But actually now that I think about it, that can't be the case because Bruce Wayne was name dropped on arrow last season. So (laughs) he, he exists. This is just, I guess, whether a question, if he's Batman or not. So we'll see, but it was definitely, you know, a surprise that Batwoman's already getting a TV series. So here's hoping it is a success and it, you know, continues on the trend of uh, CW shows where they start off good, but hopefully it, you know, Next, the trend of going on a downward spiral after season two. So we'll see. But with that, that's going to do it for all our news and discussion topics. So going to do something a little different, though, for this episode. Um, Before we get into our listener feedback and uh, emails from uh, Jordan, we're going to be doing our comic book reviews first. And the reason why is because, like I said at the beginning, we need to catch up and review Batman issue 50, which we're going to do. And a lot of with Jordan's email and some other responses we got on Twitter have to do with Batman 50. So before we get into those and responses, I figured we might as well give our review and take on it. So we're going to be doing our comic reviews first before our listener feedback. So uh, for this episode, of course, we're going to be reviewing Batman issue 50. But then after that, we got Batman issue 51 as well. And as always... We're gonna be going into full spoilers on these issues. So even though <laughs> Batman fifty's been out for almost a month now, I'd imagine all those who are interested in hearing our take on it have read the issue already. So probably not to worry about too much or being spoiled. But just in case not, gotta throw the warning out there. And our rating scale for this episode, I don't know, what do you think it should be, Dane?
1: Um bad ideas for the Joker movie. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It seems too on the nose. I think we should something more Jurassic Park related or something with one of the Comic-Con trailers we saw.
1: Uh, Things that we thought were cool in The Lost World when we were kids that turn out to just be boring.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That works for me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, let's get into it. Batman issue 50. This was the big one as we talked about with Jordan pretty much ever since Tom King's run got off with the Batman and Catwoman relationship early on with And This is all leading up to this issue. And so, right away, I'm just going to say, as an issue, as a whole, how it was put together, this was fantastic. I mean, it was a giant-sized issue. There was a lot of stuff going on to it, but, man, I just loved how it was laid out, the artwork, the pacing of it. It was just really, really well done. And I'm going to go into... First, I'm going to go into two different aspects of how this book plays out. You got kind of the normal aspect of the comic. You see Batman and Catwoman, you know, talking to each other with the dialogue balloons and showing what they're doing, preparing for their big day. But then also, which I think is the highlight of the issue, is the letters they're writing to each other. Kind of like, I guess, their vowels that they're writing. And it harkens back to that format that we got early on in Tom King's run in the I Am Suicide story arc where we got letters from Batman and Catwoman and what makes this one even special though is the artwork that goes along with it I just loved how they just got a bunch of different artists uh, you know pitch in and put it they're working for this you know monumental issue for Batman here where we got artists like you know Jim Lee, uh, Jason Fabog, Frank Miller, Becky Cloonan, this, uh, Tony Daniels, a bunch of Different Batman artists who've done great work over the years and to have them include this issue or have them be included in this issue is just really, really cool. And there are just some great pieces of artwork in here, which uh, we'll talk more about once we get into Jordan Zemo, as that's one of his questions there, which, you know, uh, was rightfully so to have the focus be on these special guest artists because there was really, really a lot of great stuff in here. And it just, I felt, was perfect to go with the letters that Batman and Catwoman were writing to each other. And that was one of my favorite aspects of the issue, was how pretty much both of them were talking about the eyes they see in each other and how that's kind of their gateway into why they fell in love with each other and what they love about each other and their personality and why they're drawn together. And it was just kind of a great analogy to use. And, but one of my favorite aspects of it came from Catwoman kind of towards the end when she's talking about uh, Bruce and his eyes and how she's, talks about how his eyes are pure blue and how usually sometimes in a person who has blue eyes you can see some imperfections like some other shades of you know green or other types of colors that are in there where it's not pure blue but with bruce's eyes it's just nothing but pure blue eyes showing you know that pure kind of making it like the pure person that he is and that's what she sees in him but there's an aspect of it here when kind of towards the end of her letter that I just loved of how she described Batman. I'm just going to read it right here. She goes, you hide your eyes because they reveal you fully. There's nothing in the blue beneath the blue on the blue because there, because there you are not the flawed hero, but the boy in pain, the boy longing not to be alone. The plea of please someone help me just be there, be here with me and no one comes and you head out into the night. Not despite that longing, but because of it. You fight for the city, you have the city, the world, this everything. That's your power, Bruce, more than anything else. You look upon the world with the eyes of a child. Your blue is pure and perfect and desolate. And I just loved how she, you know, reads Batman as that boy in pain. And that's, you know, the essence of Batman to me, too. That boy who lost his parents that caused him so much pain, what makes him go out every night to fight crime and she sees that and that's you know because she knows that that's why batman does what he does and does everything for the city as she calls out here I and mean, i just like how she said she's look upon the world through the eyes of the child and but and like the as the boy longing not to be alone alone the boy in pain i just love how that's how she sees him because that's again what batman really is all about and sometimes you know uh, that could be used as like a detriment to Batman. Like Joker calls him out on that on Batman and Batman Beyond Return of the Joker saying, you're just a little boy in a place suit crying for mommy and daddy. It could be used as like something to throw back at Batman as something pathetic. But I like as Catwoman sees it as something admirable here and why he does what he does and why it's so important to Batman is that little boy in him who lost his parents. So I just love that the aspect of the letter that she was writing. So that whole format of the book, with Bruce and Selena's letters writing to each other was really well done. And you mix that with the great guest artists that were throughout the issue was just really, really cool. I think that was the standout of the issue for me. But then the second aspect of it, which is the actual story of them getting married. I love at the beginning, how Tom King throws in kite, man, They're like that's <laughs> like the villain they take down and decide to get married that night. This very casually too. And then we see them getting together, the witnesses they need, like the, the judge they need to, uh, you know, oversee the wedding and to marry them. I like we get a call back to, to Porky's Bar, going back to the uh, Batman and Elmer Fudd issue I thought was a nice touch. And I love the little Easter eggs of DC comic characters named, or not characters, I should say, creators. Like their names that they throughout the issue. I mean, the judge that Batman get is Judge Wolfman, obviously, in honor of Marv Wolfman. And those little aspects like that were thrown throughout the issue, so... Batman gets uh, the judge. Uh, Selina gets Holly Robinson as her witness to oversee the wedding. And then there's just a lot of great moments, I think, of them getting, like, preparing for the wedding. And it shows, like, what is doing with Holly and then Bruce, what he's doing with Alfred to prepare. And, man, I got to say, probably my favorite moments of the issue, other than that letter, a bit of dialogue with Selina writing Bruce's letter about the boy in pain, is Bruce and Alfred in this issue. They had some great moments in here um one of them is as bruce is getting his tuxedo on and bruce is looking in the mirror and he just goes man i really look like my father and alfred just says oh master bruce you most certainly do when he just has this proud look on his face seeing you know pretty much his son looking like his father it's just a great moment but then probably the second best moment in this issue for me and maybe even the best like go back and forth between this and that catwoman letter but when Alfred is asking Bruce, you know, should I call Master Dick? Should I call Master Clark as the witness? And Bruce just goes, no. thinking it could be you, Alfred, if you're free. (laughs) He has to throw that if he's free in there. He goes, you know, since it's been the two of us from the beginning, like, I can't do anything without you. And really, I never could or will. And after that, there's just no dialogue. You just see the shock on Alfred's face. And then you just see him, looks like starting to choke up, and he just starts gives Bruce a big hug and looks like he's starting to cry. So just a great emotional moment there with Alfred and Bruce that really stood out to me. I thought that was great. So all this stuff, the lead up to the wedding, the letter, seeing what Bruce and Selena were doing before they actually tie the knot, all that stuff was really great. But here comes my big issue with, with the issue. <laughs> uh, we were all wondering if Batman and Selina were going to go through with the wedding. Were they going to get married, and if they did, how long will it last? And sad to say, it played out pretty predictably, and kind of what I was worried of how it would happen. So the Bruce and Selena end up don't getting married, and it's kind of played out what I was in a way that I wishing it wouldn't, because it just seemed too predictable, a little too cliche in a way, where Selena doesn't want to marry Bruce and go through with it because she feels it's going to Take away for what makes him be Batman and he needs to be Batman and she doesn't want to take that away from him. And she kind of describes that in the letter as that her sacrifice and all this is, you know, sacrificing her love for Bruce and not going to be able to be there for them because he needs to be Batman. And yeah, I could I understand why and it does work overall from a narrative standpoint. But it's like we've seen that story done before. In situations like this where the hero can't fall in love or can't settle down because it will take away from him being a hero and the city of a world needs the hero more than one person does. And another negative I had towards that was that it was kind of Holly Robinson feeding that into Selena throughout the issue it was like she says something kind of before they leave to get married. He goes... You know, it's kind of strange to see him happy. It's like he always seems to need misery to be Batman. You know, like that's how he did it. And Selena's all like, what? i kind of like putting that doubt in her mind. And then we've kind of had that in the last Joker story where Joker was telling her that. Well, that's why he wanted to, you know, prevent them from getting married. So it all played out in a cliched way, I got to say, which was disappointing. I rather would have had them get married, see how that lasted and throughout the course of the next story arcs that Tom King has and. Even if it's, we know it's not going to last forever, to see how it goes on a little bit. So, and again, I know Tom King has a bitter or a bigger plan laid out here to 100 issues. So this isn't the end of the Batman and Catwoman, Selina story arc, but this probably is it for the wedding because I think it would be kind of a tease. if You know, this was build up. That's a big wedding issue, and then if issue 100 comes, like, oh, that's the actual wedding. I think that'd be kind of a letdown as well. Just kind of, well, it kind of had your shot and you didn't go through with it. So. This is the way you're going to go. Let's just see how both characters uh, move on and deal with each other after this. So, And then we got the big epilogue tease at the end, which was the biggest surprise of the issue, was that it looks like all this, the wedding between Batman and Catwoman, the lead up to it, some of the events beforehand was all an orchestration of Bane, because we get to that moment in uh, Holly Robinson going back to Arkham, Uh, She's we see these dialogues here saying, you know, you know, Selena just brought me back. Then she left. She's devastated, but she's determined. But I don't know what's going on with Batman. Then you see these words bubbles going. Don't worry. I know he is what I made him. The bat is broken. And then you see the last panel with Bane sitting on this throne of skulls. Then you got a lot of characters that we've seen in Tom King's previous stories here. You got Joker, Riddler, Psycho Pirate. You got Gotham Girl. You got the ventriloquist Hugo Strange, and then the big surprise to me is you got the Thomas Wayne Batman back there. It was like, what? What's he doing there? So I don't know. This I'm mixed on this too because, in a way, I think it's cool that this is Bane's ultimate revenge on Batman. His ultimate way to break him. He broke him physically in Nightfall. Now he's breaking him emotionally. I think there's something cool about that. But I kind of hate if all the stuff in the lead up we got to it was just all his, you know, manipulation in that. All this was foreseen and he put all these things in motion early on and it went all according to plan. And the big problem I have with that or potential problem, it not, might not be an issue, we'll see, is how Thomas Wayne is involved with this. If somehow Thomas Wayne, what he said to Bruce in the Button storyline about him you know, needing to settle down to be happy, don't let the burden of Batman you know, be his life. That was such a powerful moment for me and what it worked so well was that Bruce was hearing that from his father. His father finally getting a chance to talk to the son he never knew and Bruce is the father he never knew. To have those words be so impactful for him to want to marry Catwoman was, made me really buy into him to get married into Catwoman or for him to get married with Catwoman and that, to me, if it becomes known that it was all just Thomas Wayne doing what Bane told him to do and didn't really mean that, That would really, you know, be disappointment and would kind of take down or make me think less of the button storyline if that becomes the case. So I'm hoping that that doesn't happen and that there's more of Thomas Wayne being there than him just being a puppet of Bane. So we'll have to wait to see what Tom King has in store. It definitely left me intrigued and making me think, oh, I can't wait to see what he has in store next for his next 50 issues of Batman. So overall, this was a fantastic issue. My only nitpicks was the the ending of them not getting married being a little predictable and what the twist about Bane being involved, what could it mean with past stories had me a little concerned. So, but other than that, I'm going to give it four and a half out of five things we thought were cool in the lost world as kids, but as we're older are actually boring. (laughs) (laughs) So Dane, what do you think of this issue? I know you got a chance to read it.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks to you for the (laughs) free copy.
2: I figured um, as a big issue like this, I might as well give you the free digital code. Yeah. I sometimes forget I even get them with the DC issues because it's not every issue. Then so I saw it, like, oh, that's right, there's a free digital code. You know, I better see if Dane wants it <laughs> so he can check it out. <laughs> uh, for me, uh, I,
1: I guess I come from a different perspective than you and um, Jordan. Where, whereas, I guess you guys thought that they were going to get married and stuff. Uh, I, I kind of had a sneaking suspicion that, A, they're not going to get married, B, if they are going to get married, it's not going to last at all. Mm-hmm. It's going to last three months, four months, five months, right? And then some writer's going to come in and it's going to undo undo that. Um, so when it comes to this actual issue, I loved it. Um mm-hmm didn't really expect that twist at the very end uh, Mm -hmm. with Bane and uh, Holly Robinson and all those villains. I just thought this, I I don't know. I, I I, I guess I thought it was a little cheesy. uh, This whole letter writing thing and what you read and the eyes of Catwoman (laughs) and, and, and Batman, but I guess that's what weddings are. Are you know, they're 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 just this cheesy, awkward thing, right?
2: Mm-hmm. The one um, time where cheese—it's okay to be cheesy, or yeah, you could accept cheese.
1: <laughs> it's okay to be cheesy and talk about how much you love the eyes of your significant other. Um, it's okay to be awkward, you know, especially if a guy named Tim, let's say, shows up at your wedding and dances. <laughs> <laughs> I i'm never sorry. gonna let that down with sorry. i sorry i had to do it kim i had to um and i've been giving you a lot of uh, a lot of trouble i guess you could say on the saga continues podcast with, with your awkward <laughs> dancing and make it,
2: make it everyone crack up at my expense <laughs> <yeah>.
1: <laughs> um but yeah i that's what weddings are. They're they're just cheesy and awkward, and you know you're supposed to profess your love right to somebody, and people do it in cheesy ways. So I guess that's okay, and I guess I really don't have a problem with it. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it's exactly what I expected. Uh, it's not gonna last, or it's not gonna happen. Uh, it, it just so happened it it was not going to happen uh because Catwoman had a change of heart um no well not necessarily a change of heart she, she like you said said that she couldn't really take Batman away from Bruce Wayne so i i guess you can kind of count that as a twist right tim a good twist
2: mm, no see to me it was predictable like i there was going to be cuz we've seen like i said we've seen that before in other stories where you have to leave the person you love because it'll take them away from what they really need (laughs) to do in life. So It's like, it would have been nice if it was something a little different than that to me anyway. But I mean, like I said, it still works, but it's just something we've seen before.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, for someone that, that hasn't really been about this wedding or hasn't been about, you know, or hasn't been reading the Tom King run, I was kind of heartbroken for both of them at the end. You know, yeah. where it it, it it seemed like they were predestined to never have worked out, right?
2: Yeah, it def- that definitely came across well. I will agree with you there. Yeah. I like think you definitely felt the pain both of them had with, you know, Selena going through what she needed, felt was right and Bruce, you know, having to accept that.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, it just felt kind of heartbroken for them at the end. Um, they can't find any kind of happiness, no matter what it is. Um. So yeah, I I love this issue. I, t- I didn't expect the end. I didn't ex- expect to like it um, at all. I thought it was just going to be a big cheese fest, and they get married and live happily ever after, and then break up in five months, <laughs> right? So uh, definitely blew my expectations away. So um, and of course all the artists they got back like Capullo and uh, Tim Sale. I haven't seen a Tim Sale yeah. piece of art in a long time, so I was glad to see that. Um, so I'm probably going to give it a four out of five. Because if you think about it, it's just them getting dressed, going in a car, <laughs> and then going to the rooftop, right? Uh, so that's pretty much the entire story of the the, the wedding issue. So a uh, four out of five for me.
2: Four uh, out of five, what <laughs> Oh,
1: sorry. Four <laughs> out of five. Uh, moments in the lost world that we thought were cool as kids but as adults we now think is just boring
2: um, See, it's been so long since you did a comic <laughs> I <laughs> totally forgot, to forgot. <laughs> um but yeah I, I, I really
1: really liked it I thought it was really well written um even though it was cheesy I thought it was well written I liked where uh, Tom King I almost said Tim King <laughs> 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 uh I took the story uh and how he wrapped up that that section of it and mm-hmm. uh, where he's going with it next. So uh, definitely surprised me.
2: Well, cool. Well, glad you enjoyed it. And yeah. again, glad I got my digital code, got to make sure. use of it because I never <laughs> really do. <laughs> but now for Batman issue 51. And Dane, after being left at the altar <laughs> where your bride didn't show up, yeah. what would you think would be the next worst thing that can happen to you?
1: Uh, in the fetal position
2: crying <laughs> in my that, bathroom. And then getting a letter for jury duty because that's what happened <laughs> to Bruce Wayne. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I would have never thought that.
2: <laughs> yes, after Catwoman leaving, Bruce Wayne now has jury duty. <laughs> and it, this issue was a different type of story, but I really dug it seeing this aspect of Bruce being on a trial. And what makes it work is you get two different aspects of it because it has to deal with a trial for Mr. Freeze. For the murder of these three women, that Batman brought him in, and I like how the issue begins. You see Bruce walking out of the car, going into the courthouse, and you just see that goes back and forth between Batman just pounding Mister Freeze really bad, just just like screaming at him like this talk, like talk. That's all I keep hearing Batman saying. Then you've seen Bruce on uh, the juror stand being picked, and you get the lawyers asking him, you know, about his associations with Batman, and eventually he gets picked to be on the jury. And Bruce is like I would just tell the crowd, you know, you know, just got to hear doing my civic duty. You know, before anything, I'm a citizen of Gotham First, playing that role that, you know, this is something, you know, he's happy to do. But you could just as the issue goes on, there's two aspects of why he's here. And you could tell the effect it's having on him. So just the issue is played out. Like I said, it goes back and forth between the past with him going against Mr. Freeze and then him as a jury, as a juror, I should say. Um, Hearing the testimonials from why this lawyer thinks that Mr. Freeze didn't kill these women. And it gets revealed that, you know, Batman is getting him to talk. You know, he he makes basically Mr. Freeze confess because once Mr. Freeze takes the stand, he goes, yes, I did tell Batman I killed those women. And, uh, he reveals that, you know, there was something different about (laughs) Batman that night where if I didn't confess and say, I killed them, I he, Batman would have killed me like there was like no doubt in my mind he would he would do that like I just had to keep myself alive. Uh, so the reason, you know, cuz there's Batman the thing is here that the lawyers think Batman is planting evidence on the bodies of these women because the autopsy report saying like they just died from like some blood clots to the brain. But Bruce or Batman to say once he got the bodies and he visited Commissioner Gordon uh, Gordon was telling him that uh, Batman told him that there was like a slight temperature drop in each of the women's brain stems. And the jurors are, or the lawyers are telling Gordon, you know, Batman doesn't have a license uh, to do any autopsies. So you really can't take uh, his, you know, word or his vice there or his conclusions about why these women died substantially or as, as evidence. So there's just this whole thing here about. Bruce being on trial or being a juror for a trial for Mr. Freeze that he pretty much uh, did himself for getting him to confess to killing these women, these women as Batman. And but what makes this issue, I think, work really well is you're just seeing the side of Bruce that we we don't see too much where not only is he on the juror, but he's just going through the aftermath of the effects of the toll that Selena leaving him has as Bruce and Batman, because we're just seeing Batman pummel Mr. Freeze and it just seems like he's getting his aggression out on for a Catwoman leaving him. You know, there's not necessarily said in this issue, that's why, but we get we all get the implications of how Batman 50 ended with Selina pretty much breaking his heart and, you know, how that toll it would have on him. And you see even Bruce lose it a little bit here where, as a juror, where after he's having lunch with him, he just has to be excused. He goes to the restroom and just pulls out the toilet (laughs) the urinal from the pipe and just throws it and just lets out a big scream so you're just seeing the frustration that Bruce is having here as Batman and Bruce Wayne here and it was just pretty interesting to see I just like how the issue had the parallels between both of them and how they're dealing with you know the loss of Catwoman here but also at the same time seems like Bruce wanting to be on the juror or on the jury maybe to make up for you know planting that not necessarily planting the evidence but pinning it on mr freeze i guess is a better word for it because i don't think he planted the the evidence he found on the autopsy but i think he's just linking it to mr freeze and pinning it on him just to do it it, because it fits his mo but the issue ends with once the jurors are all convening together and you know getting their verdict ready all of them are voting to say that mr freeze is guilty maybe not for this but for all the other crimes he's committed and murders that he'd done but who's the only one who doesn't think he's guilty it's of course bruce so it's going to be interesting to get more on his reasoning for that but i think it's kind of because maybe he wants to make amends or he has something else going on like another bigger plan and all this for what he wants to get something from mr freeze maybe he knows he didn't kill those women but there's something else that he's after with Mr. Freeze. So, as we know, Bruce, he always has plans over plans and one step ahead and has a, you know, he looks further than anyone does when wanting to set something up as a plan or to get something that he wants or needs. So, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out and what Bruce is actually after here. There is also another good moment where, since uh, Bruce is sequestered as a juror, he can't leave the hotel that he's staying in. So, Dick is taking over as Batman for a little bit. And right away, when he goes to the bat signal, Gordon just knows right away, you're not him. You're that other him. (laughs) And Dick doesn't even acknowledge it, like try to correct him. He knows Gordon's smart enough to know this isn't the real Batman. So he just goes along. He goes, what's the problem and how can I help? And he just does. Then as he's fighting Killer Croc, it looks like he gives a call to Bruce just to see how he's doing, which I thought was kind of cool, knowing what happened with Catwoman. So I just like this issue because it's just something different to see Batman and Bruce go through as, as a juror and then. Coming off the heels of Catwoman breaking up with them and them not getting married, to seeing this, the frustration, the pain that he's in because of all that, what's happened both as Batman and Bruce. So, a good issue here. Looking forward to where the story goes with Bruce being a jury member. So, I'm going to give this one four out of five things mm-hmm. of the Lost World we thought were cool as kids, but ended up being boring. So, yep, yeah, that's it for our comic book reviews. And like I said, mixing it up a little bit here. So, going to save the listener feedback section for last and now we can go ahead and get into that and hear some reactions about batman 50 but uh first up we got our email from jordan but also mark sent us an email which is great so dane you want to go ahead and catch us up with what mark's been up to
1: yeah sure he said hey dane and tim long time to chat buddies and hope you're both doing well finally sorry has been announced i have to say
2: I was going to say real quick, when I first read his email, I go, what is that? Well,
1: that's got to be a soccer reference. I know Dan yeah, will probably yeah. know what <laughs> that's all about. Yeah. I have to say, I continue to have mixed feelings on Batman number 50. Tom King is a great writer, and he's done wonders for Batman. I do have to say that I thoroughly enjoyed Selina and Bruce. I'm sad they didn't, didn't get married, but I understand why. I do think I'll stick to Deadly Class, East to West, and Gideon's Fall for now. The Todd Phillips Joker movie has me very excited. I want to see some risk-taking and exploration of key DC characters. I do feel DC is way too behind to Marvel to create a universe. Does that make sense, Tim?
2: (laughs) Yeah, I get where he's coming from, or what he's trying to say. (laughs) Uh,
1: I I feel they need to focus on standalone with loose connections. That will build up the anticipation and novelty for DC supporters, Wonder Woman and I. <laughs> what? Wonder Woman and I think Aquaman
2: <laughs> will be established.
1: Do you know what he's trying to say there, Tim?
2: <laughs> I think he's trying to say that Wonder Woman and Aquaman will be established as you know better DC yeah, yeah. movie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: will be established as a trust James Wan. I'm curious to see what they do with Matt Reeves, Batman, and whom they cast. Bye,
2: Ben. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that's safe to say too <laughs> I mean, but, just come out and say Ben Affleck's not coming back We all know he's not <laughs> I'm surprised it's taken him this long uh, Anywho, Dane, aren't
1: you finally happy Sorry, and Jorino have uh, been announced? I do have to say I'm worried about Hazard leaving for Europe's Florida, Spain uh, Just as long as they're not uh, Maratas, I'd say um, Tim doesn't know what I'm talking about. No, I don't. Um, <laughs> uh, which is fine. <laughs> uh, and it seemed like hazard was going to leave anyway. Um, if you guys ever want some perspective on fandom and mental health, let me know. I have some insight. I feel may open some people's eyes. Miss y'all. Mark Tiberius Lemke. <laughs> yeah.
2: It's been a while since we had the Tiberius in there. Yeah.
1: So. <laughs> yeah just like James Tiberius Kirk.
2: Exactly. You know. yeah. Yeah, well, definitely all the stuff going on with fandom recently, yeah. especially on Star Wars, it might be interesting to have a discussion about that one of these days. So, yes, yeah, very, very confusing. <laughs> and so to hear from someone who's actually a professional about yeah. it, so. <laughs>
1: somebody that has experience with this sort of weird behavior, I guess. Exactly. You could
2: say. <laughs> so yeah, good to hear from you, Mark. I know it's been a while, so it's always yeah. great when you send in an email. So good to catch up. And as always, we got an email from Jordan and this one he sent pretty much a day or two after the issue of Batman 50 came out. So uh, we're catching up on emails as well. So this is not going to be any Comic-Con feedback, but we'll look forward to hearing uh, what Jordan thought of all the Comic-Con stuff for our next episode. But in regards to his last email, he goes, I'm so pumped about the DC Universe digital service. The new photos of Brenton Thwaites as Robin are sick. That is exactly how I'd want a live-action Robin suit to look. I already loved the first image we got of him, but these new images make me love the look even more. I've always been a fan of suits that are armored, and that's what we're getting with this one. The new image from Young Justice Outsiders, so as the team look great too. From what I can glean, Season 3 will focus on two separate squads, the team and the Outsiders. The team features a mix of characters from previous seasons as well as new ones. While we'd already seen previous images featuring all the characters in this new image, it's still awesome to get another look at the team. Of the new members of the team, Spoiler is the one I'm most excited about, as I've long felt that she deserves to finally make an animated debut. All of the features of the service sound great to me. I'm excited that there will be such an extensive backlog, or backlog of movies, TV, and comics. Personally, while it would have been awesome that the service included, like, everything all the time, I understand why it doesn't. Some people likely wouldn't buy the stuff separately if it were always on the digital service. Plus, the fact of the matter is that I own so much of the stuff already that even if something is not on the service at a particular time, I probably have in my collection too. So I can watch it anyways. I love the fact that the service will feature exclusive merchandise, and those Justice League animated series figures look incredible. I'm also hyped about the social networking aspect of the app. It's awesome to have another venue or another avenue for interacting with other fans. I'm curious whether the DC All Access app's social networking feature will remain active or whether DC will just tell everybody to start using the DC Universe instead. I signed up for, I signed up for the DC Universe beta and I can't wait for it to be released. I bought the first Walmart exclusive 100 Batman Giant and I loved it. On a side note, I also picked up three The Dark Knight Rises Hot Wheels while while I was there. The Bat, the camouflage painted Tumbler and Bruce's Lamborghini. Batman Giant #1 no. 1 features one original Batman story by Jimmy Palmiotti and three reprints. The original story is excellent. It's the first of a two-part by Palmiotti before Michael, before Brian Be- uh, <laughs> if I could read, before Brian Michael Bendis begins his run, and it's a very intriguing mystery that really focuses in on Batman's detective skills. In terms of the other stories, they're reprinting Batman Hush and Nightwing and Harley Quinn's New 52 runs monthly. Hush is one of my all-time favorite Batman comics, so that's a huge plus for me. I've also I've only ever read it as a trade though, since it was published in 2002 and three, and I didn't start picking up comics regularly until 2004, when The Batman Strikes, the tie-in to the comic The Batman debuted. It'll be cool. It will be a cool new experience for me to read Hush monthly in these giants. Yes, I fully realize that at any point I could have always just opened a trade once per month and read an issue to get a similar experience, but it's still not quite the same. Lol.
1: That's another thing I noticed when I was uh, moving. How much comics do I have! <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Isn't that always the case when you move? Yeah, it's like,
1: oh man, I I I have to get get rid of some of these um, comics. So I didn't end up getting rid of any. I I just put them uh, in
2: storage. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: yeah. I I just didn't have the heart to throw away
2: any real. No, I don't blame you. I wouldn't either, but. <laughs> It definitely does make you think, maybe now it's time to go digital, yeah. <laughs> if you haven't already. Like, I haven't yet. It's not only like,
1: that. It's not only uh, single-issue comics. It's also the, um, uh, trade paperbacks. I had no idea how many trade paperbacks I had. <laughs> Man. And, and different different editions of the same, like, like, like take year one, right? Mm-hmm. How many different editions I have of year one? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> And and you know, Darknet returns, or uh, I don't know, Hush. Let's say, yeah, like anniversary
2: issues, <laughs> yeah, and like
1: anniversary issues, single special issues. edition yeah. issues, <laughs> um, editions with extra artwork. You know,
2: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know all too well. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it was good to hear some actual feedback for someone who got those 100 page giant walmart exclusive yeah. because i actually didn't know that they were just going to have reprints of other stories in there which for i know the whole goal for the walmart exclusive is to get an audience that doesn't ne- normally go to comic shops and have them get into dc and i think it's a pretty smart move to have some of the classic stories be included in some new stories in there so i didn't realize that when we were talking about it on the last one but to me that makes perfect sense and to Get people invested in it. you Might as well do it, do it with stories you know were really well received when they first came out. So I think that's a good idea. But Jordan continues saying, I think the first image of Kristen Wiig as Barbara Minerva looks great. It has me very excited to see what they do with her origin in Wonder Woman 1984. I heard someone else mention that they got a Batman Returns Selina Kyle vibe from the photo too. I can definitely see that, and that's an excellent sign because Michelle Pfeiffer Selena is one of the all-time greatest live-action DC movie performances. I'm really doing a lot of promotion for Battle & Brew via my emails to you guys <laughs> as he lapsed. Uh, they deserve it, though. I love that place. So, Dane's assessment based on my photos is correct. In terms of the food and drink situation, it's like a typical bar and grill. They've got a bar, but they've also got places where you can sit down and have a meal. Their mozzarella sticks are to die for. <laughs> At many other tables, they have TVs or computers for gaming. One of you guys compared it to being like a comic book shop combined with a bar and grill. And I wouldn't quite say that. But there is another place here in Atlanta that is exactly like that. This other place I'm referring to is called My Parents Basement. And it's <laughs> a half comic book shop, half restaurant and bar. I'm not kidding. It's awesome. Well, just by the name of it, My Parents Basement, it sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
1: my parents basement
2: what if it's just my parents basement or like my parents basement bar and grill just to show <laughs> that you know what it actually is <laughs> well, well i mean
1: you, you figure like these places like the the uh, battle and brew mm-hmm. and then my parents basement they, they, they don't only want to have people that like comic books or video games or what have you, right? They also want to get the general population in there, you know. Sure, yeah. So exactly. I'm, I'm sure it has a bar and grill underneath it, and that's actually really smart because like you you're catering to two audiences, right? Mm-hmm. This this sort of niche audience that likes comic books and well, not so niche anymore, I'd right? say. like you know comic books and video games and all that kind of stuff, and then you also have the gen- general population that just wants to have a good meal or wants to get a drink or something, right? Exactly. So, yeah, yeah I'm all so, for it. <laughs> yeah, so, so, especially with I, the name, like, My Parents' Basement.
2: It just so. makes me wish that I have restaurants and places like that nearby here. Because yeah. <laughs> I haven't really looked for any, but I know there's nothing in, like, the near Chino area where I'm at. But even in L.A., I, to, I don't think there's too much stuff like that. It sounds yeah. really cool. I would love it if there was like more places like that pop up all, all over. But
1: yeah, if there was, maybe you'd you'd actually leave your house, Tim.
2: Maybe, just maybe, yeah, just <laughs> maybe, just
1: maybe. It's not only to go to go out to, to 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 go traveling to some guy's wedding to awkwardly dance. It's also to <laughs> <laughs> go to get something to eat, right? Uh, well, first, I'll call
2: and see if they have, like, takeout and, you know, yeah. just use, like, those delivery app services that get your food. Oh, yeah, yeah like the <laughs> Uber Eats, yeah. Yeah, something like that. But, but, no, if we had a place actually like that nearby, I would actually go there because they sound really cool.
1: Well, I mean, it's, like, half uh, – the, the my parents' basement is also a half a
2: comic book shop, so. Yeah, go out to dinner, cool. pick up your books. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How fun would <will> that be? <laughs> Uh, Jordan continues saying, Dane, I'm going to totally give you a pass on including an animated moment in your list of favorite live action Batcat moments, simply for the fact that I am completely with you in agreeing about how incredible the depiction of the Batcat relationship in Batman Gotham by Gaslight is. However, while I absolutely adore both Batman and Catwoman in The Dark Knight Rises, Batman and Catwoman in Batman Returns. Like I said, I absolutely adore both, so it's not something I'm really going to fight you too hard on. But I do feel the Dark Knight Rises features the better, actually best, period, depiction of the Batcat re- relationship in live action. Speaking of, the wedding, and he even says that's 50 exclamation points to represent 50 magnificent issues of Tom King's Batman run. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Because I would have said tons of exclamation points there, but the fact that he Said it was actually 50. That's great. <laughs> the wait is finally over. I spent the days leading up to the wedding with the highest possible level of anticipation, biding my time, rereading some of my favorite Batcat centric comic issues from King's Run so far, listening to the magnificent Batcat wedding reception Spotify playlist that DC cur- cur- curated, and participating in Batcat Week online as I waited for my OTP's big day. I didn't even know about that Spotify playlist DC made. Uh, now I'm wondering what songs are on there.
1: <laughs> I don't have Spotify, so I guess I guess you're going to have to check that
2: out. Too. Yeah. <laughs> no, I highly recommend Spotify, though. It's really good.
1: Well, oh, I use uh, Apple
2: Music, so. Ah. Yeah, so it's some streaming service. Because I'm better than you, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the battle is on now. Spotify <laughs> versus iTunes. <laughs> Um, but jordan continues saying it finally came and went and spoilers wow i love this issue it's yet another beautiful love letter to the bat cat relationship from king not only is it itself a love letter to the Batcat relationship but it features love letter, love letters back and forth between batman and catwoman just like i am suicide did that feels so fitting to me because i'm suicide is the arc in which king brought catwoman into his run and here we are at the wedding that this whole first half of king's run has been le- building up to And it's following a similar format. My favorite part of the love letters is how Batman and Catwoman talk about each other's eyes. Then I saw your eyes. But then I saw your eyes. So unbelievably beautiful. I cried so many tears of joy at the beauty of Batman and Catwoman describing what they see in each other's eyes. In addition, I love how Batman and Catwoman continue with their never-ending debate about where they met. That debate is so sweet and such an amazing nod to their different first meetings. As you mentioned last episode, Tim. There's also a part towards the end where Batman describes why Catwoman leaves her eyes visible in her cowl so similarly to how she described the reason herself, which further reinforces just how well he understands her, just as she understands him so well. I also love how these love letters overlay overlay breathtaking art by so many legendary artists. Like I said, this issue reads just as a loving tribute to Batman and Catwoman's relationship over the year. In terms of the main story that is mixed in with the love letters, I was blown away. First off, of course, that to begin with Kite Man, lol. I've said it before, but King pulled off a hard advice with Kite Man, and it's only fitting that he be featured in this milestone issue of King's Run. My favorite part of the main story is the page where Bruce sees Selina in her wedding dress before the wedding. Selina tries to tell Bruce he shouldn't see her in it before the wedding, but neither one can resist running up to each other to embrace and kiss before, because of how strong their love is for one another. There is also a really touching moment between Bruce and Alfred where Bruce reveals to Alfred that he wants him to be his best man. I know I had said previously that I felt Dick should be the best man because I felt Alfred is more Bruce's father than his friend. But Bruce's justification for why it should be Alfred immediately swayed me into feeling that that is the best choice for it to be Alfred. Then we get to Selina showing that she is a hero, period. As much as I agreed overall with your assessment of how magnificent issue 49 was, The only disagreement I had, Tim, was how you kept referring to Catwoman as a villain. She's not, and she proves that yet again here in issue 50. Yeah, I guess that's just kind of a force of habit for me, just, you know, associating with Catwoman as a villain for so long, (laughs) and then my Batman fandom as a kid growing up with the, you know, different TV shows and comics where she was mainly a villain. So I definitely do agree with you, Jordan, that she is pretty much a hero now, I just Got to get it in my head to refer to her as a fil- or a hero after so long of associating her with a villain. But I get I'm totally in agreement with you, though, that she is definitely a hero by the time we're at this point in her life and in these stories. So I just got to remember that when I talk about her. Unless, you know, what's going on in her ongoing issue, she goes more back to being more of a villain. I'm not sure, but <laughs> I guess if, until I hear otherwise from Jordan, I got to start referring to her as a hero, too. But Catwoman sacrifices her own happiness for what she believes is the greater good of Gotham City. It doesn't get more heroic than that. I was bawling my eyes out at that point in the issue. It was beautiful, but it broke my bat-cat heart. Just as it broke Selina's heart to do so and Bruce's heart when he realized his cat had left him. But there's, but here's the thing. This is not the end. So many people thought I was going to be furious about this because of how huge of a Batcat shipper I am. And while I obviously wanted, wish Catwoman hadn't left, I am not furious. Allow me to explain why. I'll quote The Dark Knight, sort of. I believe in Harv, uh, Tom King. <laughs> King has said before that the focus of his entire 100 issue run is the Batcat relationship. He just reiterated that on Twitter in response to some of my fellow Batcat fans' concerns over what happened to the issue. He's not going to break them up permanently halfway through this issue or halfway through his 100 issue story documenting the love of Batman and Catwoman. Now, here's what I think is going on. Obviously, Batman and Catwoman's wedding was sabotage. That last page blew my mind. Bane couldn't break Batman physically again, so he broke his heart instead. First off, I think that some of the characters there with Bane may be under Psycho Pirate's influence, such as Holly, Gotham Girl, and Thomas Wayne Batman. Speaking of Thomas Wayne Batman, I am very excited to find out how he survived the button, since it looked like he was wiped from existence. I also think there's a chance that Catwoman is somehow being manipulated by Joker Venom since on the last episode of Bat Force Radio where they reviewed issue 50, they speculated that she could have been dosed with it in issue 49 when the Joker shot her and that's why she was laughing at the end. Anyway, what I think is going to happen is that Batman and Catwoman are going to discover Bane's conspiracy, team up to defeat him and those working with him and then finally go through with the wedding. The last thing I want to point out about issue 50 is how many Easter eggs are included throughout, from Porky showing up again to Judge Wolfman appearing again as a nod to Marv, to all the street names, building names and signs. Anyway, King has done it again in crafting another outstanding, beautiful love letter to my OTP in issue 50, or issue 50, Batcat forever from the first kiss to the last. So, yeah, we're all curious of what Jordan's reaction was going to be to the, the wedding issue of Batman and Catwoman. And when reading it, knowing that they didn't go through with it, I couldn't wait to see Jordan's reaction. And he definitely took it a lot better. <laughs> like I think most of us <laughs> were thinking it was how, how much he just loves that relationship with Batman and Catwoman, the fact that they didn't get married. But, yeah, it's hard to deny how, even though maybe that wasn't the outcome we were looking for, but it's hard to deny how great the issue was and, you know. Everything Jordan said here and what we said in the review here just speaks to what a great job Tom King do, did in telling the story and kind of celebrating the Batman and Catwoman relationship. I don't think not only just for his run, but also just their history that they've had since the beginning, since Catwoman was first introduced in Batman number one. Just that off-again, on-again relationship that they always had. This issue was just a celebrated, celebration of those two characters, and he just did a really magnificent job of it, but... Again, like we said in our review, it will be interesting to see where he goes with his next 50 issues here and how Bane plays a role in it. Those other characters and just what is going to happen with Batman and Catwoman by the time it's over. So we'll have to see in these next 50 issues, but it should be fun. And of course, Jordan has some questions. He goes, "Um, what are your top five pieces of Bat-Cat artwork by the guest artist in Batman 50? Uh, For me, it's number five, Lee Bermejo." Promejo's art just never fails to make my jaw drop with an incredible detail. Number four, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. There's such a closeness between Batman and Catwoman depicted in it. I love how Catwoman is wearing her Golden Age suit, and I love how it features both bats and cats with the bat signal shining in the sky behind them. Uh, Mitch Gerard's uh, I'll probably butchering his name, but <laughs> I was calling Mitch. Uh, any callback to the magical moment from the end of Batman 14 is a thumbs up in my book. Number two, David Finch. It's a slightly different take on my favorite moment of King's entire run so far. And number one, Jim Lees. Lees, my all-time favorite artist, It features a bat-cat kiss. I love how intense it feels. And you'll appreciate this, Tim. When I see this page, I hear the part of love song that goes, I will always be with you in my head. Or I should say, I will always love you in his head. And as long as it's the 311 version of Love Song, Jordan, that's the important part. Not the Cure version, but the 311 cover version, (laughs) the better version. (laughs) So, yeah, for me, uh, my top five picks. And again, there was a lot of them. So I'm glad this was one of Jordan's questions to narrow it down to our top five. But um, number five, I'm going to go with uh, Raphael Albuquerque's. Um, I just kind of like the look, the expression on Selena's face as she's holding the like, pr- presumably jewels and that she stole, and Batman's hanging there, tied up, which she's gonna giving him a kiss. But it's like their facial expression she has there. The number four, Becky Cloonan. I love her art, but then I just love how the design on this one. You got the moon in the background. You got bats flying over there. And then you see Batman and Catwoman just like close up to each other. So I just liked how visually that art piece looks. And then number three, I'm gonna go with Ty Templeton and uh, Karianne Smith. Um, this one there's just something about it that screams animated series to me this has a, like a Bruce Timm feel to it it's pretty much you see Batman shadow then you see Catwoman uh, again very animated c- series style her face is all covered in a mask so you really only see her eyes but I just love the design of it and then you see bats and cats going in the background over the shadow of Batman this, to me this really invokes like Bruce Timm a lot and I just love that style so that was number three number two for me is Libra Mayhoe Again, as Jordan says, his art is always stunning, and there's just something really cool, I think, about Batman sitting on that, you know, uh, right by Catwoman's window on the building, and you see a cat looking down, you see Catwoman right by the cat looking down, too, and she's holding some jewels, so just visually, I think it really stood out to me, but number one, uh, my favorite, is going to be the one by Lee Weeks. I just think there's just something really, really cool about his art style here, where it's Catwoman. It's all black the background. You just see Catwoman on the bottom, her head looking up, and you see Batman's face looking down at her. I don't know why does that out of all of them, that one stood out to me visually that I don't see, I can't even say it encompasses what the Batman Catwoman relationship is all about, like some of the art of the art pizzas did, but just the style of this I just really, really like. Maybe it's just the darkness of it where it's all in black and just the looks on their faces. There's just something about it that really stood out to me above the rest so the one by lee Weeks was my favorite one but how about you Dane? what were some of your favorites of those guest artists um like i said uh tim sale and greg
1: pulau it's just great to see them back um yeah i'm gonna have to agree with uh jordan uh david finch and then lee bromejo and then uh hmm you know what? i'm just gonna say joel jones I didn't know how good of an artist she was mm. until I actually read a book with her art in it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> anyway, I know, I've been
2: raving about it in my reviews. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: And and so is Jordan. So yeah, probably uh, Joel Jones.
2: Cool. Yeah. And I agree Jordan about Jim Lee. I mean, he is one of the best, but at the same time, it's kind of easy to pick Jim Lee's and it wasn't something totally different that we saw from him. So I decided to, give some props to some of the other artists that I saw there that really stood out to me, kind of like the one by Lee Weeks. So it was definitely a tough choice. Cause like you said, there's tons of great ones to pick. And then his second question is with Dick Grayson set to don the Cape and cowl again in Batman 51, what is your favorite comic featuring Dick as Batman? Mine is hands down the black mirror, but given how big of a fan I am of King's writing, there's a good chance that is about to be topped. <laughs> yeah. Black mirror is great as we all know, but I'm going to go with, Grant Morrison's early Batman and Robin run. The stuff he did with Dick and Damien I thought was really great. The dynamic those two characters had I thought was really special and created a special relationship between them where that Dick and Damien are always going to have. So I'm probably going to give the nod to Grant Morrison's Batman and Robin run.
1: Uh, before I give my f- – or decide on my favorite, did Dick have the mullet when he was Batman?
2: <laughs> no, no, I'm pretty sure he did it. <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, Black Mirror. <laughs> yeah, I knew that was going to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I just had to ask because I, I could have swore he was Batman in Nightfall, but I guess no, I'm making that up.
2: No, he was late. not, not during Nightfall, but afterwards in Prodigal.
1: Yeah, I mean. Prodigal, right? Yeah. Did, he didn't have the mullet.
2: He might have had it there. <laughs> that's okay, a, that's so a good uh, Prodigal
1: then. Yeah, if anything, it yeah. would be that one. Yeah, Prodigal then. Uh, Black Mirror second. <laughs> just, just because of the mullet
2: just because of the mullet <laughs> uh, well it's a pretty good reason <laughs> <laughs> alright so thanks Jordan for the email as always sorry it took us a long time to get to this one so looking forward to hearing what you thought about all the comic con stuff on our next episode yeah and but,
1: I, I, I have to look at his uh, Instagram pictures I guess r- regularly rather than just when we do this show
2: yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's i posted some from going to the Teen Titans Go movie, uh, pr- not the actual premiere premiere, but the first showing of it. So oh. I'm still keeping busy and doing DC stuff. I know, okay. but it has, we haven't seen you on Twitter in a while, Jordan. Uh, I think uh, like since the issue, like a little bit before Batman issue fifty came out, I haven't seen you on Twitter. I'm not sure if something happened, if you got rid of your account, you're not on Twitter anymore, but. Uh, miss you on there <laughs> yeah. seeing the conversations i know we've had another conversation you have with other batman fans on there so hopefully we'll see you back on there soon yeah but before we wrap up the episode i want to give a few more uh, little responses to batman issue 50 that we got um first up i ran a poll uh, when the day the issue came out asking what everyone thought of it and we're going to give those results now out of 76 votes we got for it um coming in last seventeen 17 hated it Another tie, (laughs) both polls we had, we got ties. At 22%, got loved it and great, except the ending. So both of those options were 22. But uh, sadly, at 39%, winning the poll results was disappointing. So, (laughs) yeah, I mean, loved it and great weren't too far behind at 22%, but still kind of surprising that disappointing went out at 39%. So, yeah. (laughs) Wow. Uh, I guess people had different expectations going into the wedding and maybe just realizing that uh, maybe kind of the reaction that I had that it was kind of predictable how it come, but maybe yeah. because of that it ruined the rest of the issue for him, unlike me where it was just a little nitpick I had where the rest of the issue was great. So uh, that could please everybody, I guess. But so we got a few responses on it. Our friend Rob from Everyone Loves the Drake, at drummer Rob 10 on Twitter said, um, he responding to the vote, he goes, there should have been another choice, just as I thought it would happen. <laughs> going back to what I said about some thinking that's probably a little bit too predictable. So I think Rob was one of those who thought it was a little bit too predictable. And then another one from Seeking Superman at the Glen Clark on Twitter said, he hated that King didn't deliver as promised, but loved the twist on the very last page. So, yeah, a lot of disappointment, I guess, seems to be with them not going through the wedding, but as we said as jordan said in his email this isn't the end of tom king's story he has a long game going on here so (laughs) why does this have to hold out until he finishes with issue 100
1: well i can kind of see why i mean you call this the wedding issue yeah right so like Mm -hmm. people expect them to get married um and then they don't and so it's like oh that sucks you know
2: yeah it's definitely understandable too that's what i was saying too it would kind of be that's why i hope they don't do for issue 100 oh here's the actual wedding <laughs> issue i think you got to get all excited <laughs> for it again so yeah. <laughs> yeah so it's gonna be interesting to see how they handle it but it should be a fun ride and then finally you've got one response to the trailers for aquaman and shazam on twitter uh, this is from will grady at will grady says i can honestly honestly say i like uh, if i could read uh, properly i could say what he actually thought but he goes i can honestly say i like the look of both I guess I am more looking forward to the Aquaman film, but only because I have been waiting for this since Batman versus Superman. Still Shazam looks awesome too. Both seem to have captured the feel of both characters. November and April can't get here soon enough. So yeah, uh, got a little more positive reaction for the trailers than we did Batman issue 50. (laughs) It seems like on this one, but still always great to hear responses from followers and listeners. Once we, Put the word out on Twitter and all that stuff. So thank you guys for responding and sharing your thoughts. We always love hearing them and talking to you guys about it. So um, any other times you want to share with us on any topics? As you know, we don't just talk about Batman in D.C. If it could be anything like we did with Jurassic Park today, just (laughs) you can feel free to share your thoughts on anything you want. But with that, that's going to do it for this, uh, for this episode. And like I said at the beginning, it was going to be a big one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was. So, uh, Dane, I'll go ahead and throw it to you for the outro. All
1: right. Go to batmanuniverse.net, uh, facebook.com slash batmanuniverse, Twitter handles at batmanuniverse. The show's Twitter handles at batfanspodcast. Uh, if you want to email the show, you can email the show at batfanswithoutpants Batfans at gmail.com. And Tim's Twitter handles at timg. 311 I'll say it this time thank you <laughs> and my twitter handle is so with that like we say at the end of every single episode we love
2: each and every one of you with our bat and cat and dinosaur
1: <laughs> dinosaur hearts uh, we'll see you guys next time
2: see you later everybody